uh, comedian, so, yeah. author. Yeah. Uh, word, you want to do a show? Mm. Yeah. Yes or no? Uh, you really don't. You're, you're on the fence here. You, I, I like I, how I you say yes or no as if I were to go, ugh. Yeah, then I have to pack. I just got here. I have Dude, to pack yeah, everything. You know what? I don't feel like it, man. By the way, what you shouldn't feel like is drinking. I, that's the largest. <laughs> I, I, no one can see this, but John has two <laughs> Nana jars, uh, jelly jars, but they're not like regular size. They're like if you were like no, pickling, no. like extremely large pickles. So Literally, the they're jar, ball jars. They're, they're, ma- right, they're, they're jars. mason jars. Which, mason by the jars, way, whatever, whatever whatever mason the kids jars call and ball jars. I did not realize this. Ball are, jars are the same. They're made by the same company. I used to think they were different. I thought a ball jar and a mason jar were two different jar companies. Literally, like, but they were both kind of... But no, they're made by the same... Mason, I think, is the one that makes them all. This week on Americana Stories, (laughs) let me finish get back to what I wanted to talk about was the, the, the size of whatever that blueberry thing is that you're drinking is imagine, folks, if you were like, I'm going to put something in my regular size blender, and then I'm just going to take the, the blender off and then drink from the blender. That's how big that drink is. Are you planning on not having anything for the rest of the day except um, trips to the bathroom? That's uh, that's that's a good, you know, five hours. <laughs> five hours I, that's your version of the five-hour energy drink? You know what? It really, it's good, man. What's There's, in it, John? Tell us all. Uh, all need for, for mixed berries, so like strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, uh, kind of a mix, frozen mix that I buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. A little bit of almond milk, a banana, uh, some, whey powder, show, some, some whey powder, some whey powder, some there's a oh, there's a husk in there, the helium husk or something like that, like a helium helium husk is in there, like a, like an elephant um, husk. No, uh, like and then there's this uh, spirella stuff that's in there that you're smells right, really bad. Now you're starting to go so far. And then there's this. Uh, what are you trying to accomplish? I guess is uh, you just said a bunch of like ones that I feel like is like some sort of like. You went to some healing medicine man who started making up names and stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll get some of that, some of that powder." This was a smoothie. They pointed a root instead of grinded for you. Nicole started drinking like the year like before the wedding. Like okay. she, she started drinking this, and it was like I part, of, part of I think part of like uh, some sort of cleanse. But the, sh- the smoothie itself was really good, so we kept making them because it's also I don't get I don't eat bananas. I hate bananas. So the only way for me to get a banana is to smash it into a peanut butter smoothie. Very thing, you know. By the way, I just realized this so the music is your favorite thing. The music has been playing over this whole conversation. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian, or uh, also known as Ron Erwin. Uh, uh, Dude, I'm sorry. Dildo who are neck. you? Dildo Neck. Uh, this is John. I'm John. I'm John. Uh, dildo Neck was the funniest thing I saw when, when Eddie was like, you'll always be Dildo Neck to me. Did someone actually ever call you once where you were called Dildo Neck? There wasn't a single thing I listed on there that I haven't been called before. What was the context in which someone called you dildo neck? Okay, well, the context was called high school. And oh, in high school, oh, okay, 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 okay. Do we really have to go any uh, deeper? No, no, than no. That? That's all you have to say is high school. I thought, I thought these were <laughs> names that people had called you as an adult. No, well, and I'm some like, of them probably when I worked at the where Herald. The yeah. Fuck, were you? Where you're like driving around? Hey, dildo neck, yeah. get out of the way! <laughs> I, I just mean, thought it was really funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've been I've been called uh, you know uh, on the job I've been called some names I've I've had my I moments bet. where I've and I probably earned each moment. Oh, yeah. I think when you, you look know, back, if you're, if you're being guy. honest, if you're being mm-hmm. honest with yourself, if you look back, every name I was ever called was like, oh yeah, I walked into that one. That was all me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oops. Yeah, you were. 
Um, I want to bring in our guests in a sec, but I'm going I'm to lead with this so that I can, I can bring them in unless there's something you want to cover because I read something on the way over here. Oh, well, I would. We are doing some real-time action here because this is going to come out after we record uh, it. Yeah, actually. Well, but we always try to be evergreen. You know, we do. That's industry we do. talk, evergreen. I was going to so say, but James Lipton, James yeah. Lipton passed away. So I wanted to bring that up because uh, he died at 93, which, you know, that's a good I had life. no idea he was 93 years yeah, old. Holy life. shit. But what I was going to say was that for me personally, um, if we were able to toot our own horns just for one second, a lot of people have done our show and they said that they like the way we interview them, the way we do stuff. And there are two people that I personally have gotten some, uh, been my interview styles from. One, I liked, I used to watch him do it inside the actor's studio and I liked his interview style. And the other one was Howard Stern, which was more conversational. James Lipton was really good at like asking the right questions and having some sort of like, plan attached to it. So those were two guys that I actually um, use yeah. when I Lipton, try to interview people. Lipton never brought in, like, per, like how Stern would be like, he would be talking to you and like, oh, yeah, well, when, with my divorce or whatever, and he, right. would, he would bring in sort of personal stuff about his, himself and his own life, whereas Lipton was more just like, it's about you, yeah. we're talking to you. It's, he's never like, oh, well, when I tried to be in a play once, and, uh, you know, he doesn't... No, but that's really, why I said, if I... Yeah, if I yeah, 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 no. Two, yeah. That was so. Let, I want to bring our guests in because obviously that all pertains to and also and our guest interviews is. the shit out of people. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be curious to get his take on it. Um, this young fella, um, he was I called a, him a kid. I did call you a kid when he goes, "We, uh, Alice, I go, you tell Alice if he wants to stay for the Cubs Angels spring, we should watch." That. I like that kid. <laughs> yeah, and he I, said like, that. I started laughing. And but, I'm like, and then I'm like thinking, like, dude, how, he can't be that much. But here's younger the, than me. Why grew the beard? You know, <laughs> so people stop calling you. Yeah, you, get, uh, you you're getting a little bit of flavor in that beard yeah. now, like the huckster over there. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm full I'm full flavor, so I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> is that what you call grain <laughs> flavor? For, for in this conversation, it is. But anyway, so it's it's Mark Ellis, everybody. Mark first Ellis, first off, comedian. And then I'm gonna go backwards on the thing, but yeah, I mean, when I met you, you were a child. Like I, you and Nick Youssef were babies. I like, was a you little started, pudgy faced boy. How old were you when you? I met you, I think, at the comedy store proper. So, but that had to have been early two thousands, right? That was two thousand three. It was March of two thousand three when I got out here, and so I was still twenty two years 22, old. Yes, and you, Brian Irwin, might have been responsible for my very first belly room set. Oh. Because remember, like, we'd go and do potluck, and I'd see all you guys around, and we all kind of became friends because when you do the open mic at the comedy store, there's, like, maybe 40 people show up on the patio to try to get a spot. Right. And then very quickly, there's this little gaggle, this little school or murder, a flock, if you will, that, sten that, that, that strays from everybody else because we're, like, the normal ones that may actually have hope for a career. <laughs> and then there's just a bunch of crazy people yeah. that are, like, talking Especially trash and on doing that patio. And so we, th that kind of happened, and then Brian... Ryan, and it, it was you and Peter Sprite, Peter Sprite did a belly room show. And so I had done, I don't know, maybe six, seven uh, open mic sets on the, the original room stage, which yeah. is three minutes. Yeah. And, you, you know, three minutes doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're when new, you have nothing, I, man, <laughs> and then Erwin comes in with this godfather offer. Of an eight-minute set, <laughs> and I'm like, I got to do a lot get of writing, work. Get right, <laughs> get right, dude. Hurry. You're probably hosting, right? Like that was the thing. It's like if you, at that time, and you figured it out very quick, you're like, oh, there's something going on up there. Right, right. If I can start, and and then, and again, and this is this thing that I, maybe to this day it's still an issue. I don't know. So far removed from it, but you know, a lot of people are like, I don't want to host. A lot of people would still find that as like, eh, I don't know. But like, you always had, um, you had a knack for it. But that knack also gets you more stage time, so it's gonna get you. It's gonna get you into places like that, like the belly room, to start. 
And then you know, eventually you can just you start developing a relationship. And as long as you're normal and nice and not a douchebag demanding things of people, you're going to get stage time. Yeah, it's that weird New and York thing. you also have thing. to back it, obviously. The, if you're not good at comedy, that doesn't like, really help. I, I never started doing stand-up in New York. Uh, like, I started out here. But in New York, the, I think the host, it, it's more of a prestigious position it's in like, New York well, comedy. In Canada, it's but it, the host is bigger than the feature. There's no The feature comes on, and everyone's like, yeah, who cares? The host makes more money than the feature, and then the headliner makes the most still. More money. The host is engaging with the crowd, so yep. the crowd has a rapport with the host. And then the whoever else comes up is fine, or whoever's yeah. But the host but, deals with everything. But in LA, it's like oh, you're hosting because you're the worst comic on the lineup. Is the way a lot of people would structure their shows, yeah. which is and a I terrible structure. I like having a strong host, dude. If you have to keep going up there, the last thing the audience wants, if they don't like you, is to see you repeatedly throughout the fucking show. So to put an annoying, obnoxious piece of shit in that position is I've seen it. It's like it happens a lot. You're like, dude, the audience hate. The Two minutes into their opening, the audience hates them. Yeah. Now, between every comic, they come up, and if they're really, really bad at hosting, they'll do time. Like, a lot of time in between. And you're like, oh, no, no. No, no, no. They already don't like you. Don't do that. <laughs> Just bring up the next comic. It's really... I've and, seen and you would see it in during the Potluck show, because the Potluck show in the original room is like 40 comics, oh, and yeah. most of them are very new. Some of them don't even realize that they're there at the time. <laughs> and so... You have to be beloved as the host to keep the audience yes. there. Yes. Because you're going up at, in between every comic, and they need something to look they forward need, to. <laughs> they need hope. Yeah. They, they needed comedy hope. Yeah, you were probably... They you, need a reason not to leave. You, Eric Marino. <laughs> because there's nothing to look forward there's to. There's nothing Maybe holding them there. If it's like no 40, 40 of this in a row with no break, <laughs> yeah. something has to break this up, or we're either all going to Jonestown massacre this room or just leave. Yeah, but it was. I think it was like you were doing it. Renazizi, Eric Marino, and Jeff Danis was was hosting back then. I'm trying to think if it was any other regular guys that managed to work their way into you know that realize that this is a way to. So my kind of class when I got there was uh, Jeff Danis, Ryan O'Neill, Ryan O'Neill, yeah, Rick Ingram um, was Rick, yeah. was like kind of we all landed around the same time out there. And then there were guys that like like both you, Brian, and and you, John. Like I think you guys might have been there a little bit longer. I wasn't. I was never up. like a an a early store guy. Like I would go there. I would get spots yeah. on other shows there. But like Tommy wouldn't hire me. So when he said there was no positions, he told me to hang out. And I right. looked at him like he. I'm like, dude, I want to be a comedian, not <laughs> a hanger That was how they rolled back then. <laughs> no, I know. I get just it. Hang yeah. out. Yeah. No, I was 2000. Um, and I can't remember who the booker was. It was short. Whoever the booker was was right. But then Duncan took over. Duncan was the town coordinator uh, ish when I got there. But you could tell with Duncan, like he was more rightfully so concerned with like doing stand up yes. than he was like putting the lineups together because he, was he hated time. putting the lineups together. Yeah. But it was just you're you're kind of working for Tommy, and it does help if you if you're an employee there. Like I got hired to work the phones at first, and then you do every other job, and it helps to be a gym rat. But it's also nice to be able to clock in and make, you know, six bucks an hour, whatever you're making, as opposed to like, oh, no, just hang out all night and just have your face in there. That's yeah. exactly the same, what I said, man. Yeah, I, I was, I was like, like, why? Because some people get, get so sucked into that mentality of I need to be at the comedy store. I need to be a store guy. 
Like, why don't? Why wouldn't you go to the Laugh Factory and see what's up? Why would you I'm, go to the improv? Yeah, I'm gonna go at that point. My when I when Tommy said you got to hang out, I was like, dude, I want to be a comedian. Not if I wanted to hang out, I could just go hang out anywhere, man. <laughs> I can do that all over the place. Like, and you do, you were good at, and it. I was good at it at yeah. the time. But good like, hanger, good hanger. But then I was like, what I, I said want... about John Huck, that guy, man, <laughs> he can hang. hang out he can all hang. Night. Actually, what they probably say is like, you can hang with him for a couple hours, and then like the next couple hours, you're like, dude, please yeah. go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please go home. Yeah, that guy's got a smoothie jar that is. So big. Yeah, it, these he didn't can used sip to be, on that I, all night. I used to have stuff like this all the time, but they weren't all smoothies. It was like that yeah. mason jar. How much looks, vodka is in that thing? It looks like a jar you see at the state fair, <laughs> where there's gumballs in it, and you have to guess how many gumballs are yes. in it, and whoever gets closest wins the jar. And yep. Rain Man wins that, every year. That, yeah, exactly. That's that's a that's a that's a challenge jar. So whether it's can you drink a this challenge whole thing? jar? Can you drink everything that's in there in ten <laughs> seconds or less? Uh, Can you count the amount of We have a uh, small, yes. medium, large challenge jar. Uh, ooh, what's the, the show challenge jar? John Hug drinks a physical challenge from Double Bear. <laughs> so let's go backwards to what we were actually talking about before. Uh, 4-H. Which, well, no. Which 4-H was, jars. Huh? 4-H jars. Yes. Yeah, no. But, uh, uh, movies, which is obviously... And I... One of the reasons why I'm excited to have you here is because obviously it's been so long and your evolution since the last time we ever were really around each other has gone that direction, mm. which I didn't initially didn't even know that was a thing. But just, what, what um, inside the actor studio, stuff like that, did you ever watch any of that kind of stuff or was that not really your thing? I, I, I did. And, and it's interesting you bring up James Lipton because he I never like looked at him like, oh, that's how you interview somebody. I just thoroughly enjoyed watching that show. But then you think about it, and like I give Lipton a lot of credit. He also did have the backup of having a live studio audience mm -hmm. there. There was not only a studio audience, but these were people dying to get into the business. And so it's a little bit easier to get a lot out of a person you're interviewing if there is a live audience there, too. Like That's bring, genuinely interesting that, what you have to say. You bring Robin Williams on stage to interview him, and yeah. there's a crowd of 300 people there. It's like he, you're going to get good stuff out. Yeah. I also feel, though... That Robin Williams would well because he was kind of annoying in that interview, wasn't he? Wasn't I he like? Loved it. Wasn't he amped up though? Like he was super amped up, right? He so is, he would have been was. like that with nobody there. Robin Williams was like Robin Larry was Bird. A, Robin's an anomaly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I agree with you. With most people, is like you give you give them a live audience to feed off of, mm -hmm. and that's gonna it, there's energy there. You're making a connection, and like you said, you're talking to people on the edge of their seat. Like, what does Jack Lemmon have to say about acting? <laughs> I want to be an actor. This guy's been in every fucking good movie ever made. Like, yeah. oh my god, I want to know what this is. And you is. can see like, because we've all been there at some point in our lives too. It's like that desperate look in every audience member's eye. There, that like maybe Jack Lemmon's gonna see me in the crowd and think, hey, that'd be a good extra for my <laughs> movie. Yes. You know who I'd like to do a movie with? The guy sitting in the third row. You know what? That was a grandson. That was a great question. You are now a star. Come on, come on up. Come on, everybody. We're going to take him to Hollywood, and the rest is history. He gets a motorcycle with a sidecar. Let's go. There's like a story about one of the actor studios you can actually see. I think it's Bradley Cooper in mm -hmm. the crowd. Yeah, there are. He asks a question. There's a, bun there's a, there's bunch, a bunch of those of where there's, there's like famous yeah. people yes. in the. Yeah. yeah, because there it was affiliated with a school. A, a well known. An acting yeah, school. Yeah, so. So obviously, from time to time, you were definitely gonna get some people in there. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I was asking that question was also, um, did you watch it because you also had a fascination with the film industry in general? Because obviously, I met you, and you're a stand-up. And I remember one time in the comedy store kitchen, I think I had sat down with you. Probably remember this conversation. I was asking you, like, well, what do you? Like, what's your plan? Like, I not 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 like being like a teacher, <laughs> but I was genuinely interested. Like. 
are, are you trying to be an actor? Are you trying to be a full-time comedian? Are you trying to be a writer? And at that time, you were like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to write some scripts. And this was like right wow, on the verge of... Wow, I said of, that? That came out of my mouth? Yes. And Yikes. But, but you didn't have any at the time, which no, is amazing. No, I still don't. Okay, good. <laughs> He's still trying. He's but, still trying. But to put it in context, the reason why we Scene were having... Scene one. A, <laughs> ah, man. Hollywood Anonymous Podcast, scene, Living Room. Scene one, Mark goes over to the bar and gets another Bud Light. Wait, That's the movie. That's actually what I'm doing. That's actually not in the... No, but um, it was right on the cusp of when the early streaming stuff was starting to happen. Right. Like, everybody was talking about, like, I think Comedy Time had just come around, and we were talking about sketches and all that stuff. And I think that's where the dialogue came. And that was kind of really the last time that I ever really talked to you about any of that stuff. And then, you know, cut to a couple years later... And you're really starting to do all this movie stuff, and I'm just curious because because that's where you 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 put your toe in the water was very early, if I'm not mistaken, very early in this. The, everybody was trying to do streaming stuff, and there you were doing the movie stuff. I remember auditioning for something that was it was a movie review show that it, it was. I think Fox was backing it, but they didn't really have any place to land it. And this is about when? When this was is this? about 2006. Okay. okay, so so I'm sorry to cut you off, but before that. I'm just realizing, I don't think that I, I might have known you from the comedy store, right. but we didn't really like talk, talk until you were on Punked. Until I was on Punked. Yeah, and that and was 2003. That was, that, I think that was five. 2005, okay. Yeah, because I, I right. had been, I was an employee at the comedy store by then. Yeah, I knew you from the store right. just being there. And I show up on set to do the Kate Beckinsale one. It's my first time really doing anything in Hollywood. And you were and getting pushed into a pool. stunt coordinator? But John Huck... I wasn't the stunt... Oh, no, no. John no. Huck, the stunt oh, coordinator. Oh, God, no. I'm surprised you are alive then if you no. were the stunt coordinator. I remember thinking you were the stunt coordinator then because you're the guy that shuts everybody else on set. Uh, like, gonna... like, you were in this position of power. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah, because, yeah. because there was, like, a stunt involved with it. Absolutely. Where I was going to get pushed into a pool. I was... I was Basically, my I was a... Probably at that point in time, I was the coordinating producer on set and, like... I did. I, I behaved in a way that would make everyone think that I've, if you didn't listen to me, everyone was going home early. Like. I remember you <laughs> saying, and it was funny because you and I did end up like talking a lot on set that day. But the first thing was you didn't talk directly to me. You just get everybody and and punked. It's like when you watch the show, it's like oh, these two people are pranking this celebrity. It's it's a full production. <laughs> We're There's in there. Tons of people yeah. that are crew, and so John gets everybody's attention. He says, "All right, so Mark's getting pushed into the pool." Now, the safety word is that if Mark says bananas, that means something's wrong. And I remember thinking, is that, does that have to be my safety word? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> bananas! Bananas! What, what, what if I say bananas anyway? What, what, what if I just comes out? Like, I was just, I, I was such a fish out of water. It was like, I was just honestly not ready for an opportunity like no, that. No, you just not ready for safety words. And That's by all that really point, was. it was... <laughs> I was barely had sex at that point. I didn't know... <laughs> safety I didn't, words! I didn't know how to experiment with other things. <laughs> And that was that, that was like the last season of Punk, I think, before it went off air for a little bit, and then it got brought back. But that was the season where like Ashton was off making movies, and so after you punk people, because I did a number of them that season. After you punk someone, the celebrities always looking around like, "Where's Ashton?" It's like, "Oh, he's uh, he says and it's hi." Me with a, it's me with a clipboard. Hey, how you doing? Like, who the fuck? Uh, Sign the where? release. Sign the release. I'm like, hey, would you mind? And like, what's going on? Like, where's Ashton? I'd be like, oh, he's making a movie with Kevin Costner. <laughs> Trust me, he wants to be here. Like, and this was before like FaceTime or anything, so you can't be like, "There he is." There he like, is. right? It was right. just like people were, they were bummed when they they would get be. It. You could genuinely see like air let out of their tires, kind mm -hmm. of. They were just like, <sighs> well, because they didn't get the big finish, right? That's really what it was. Yeah. No, I mean, and as someone who like participated in the stunt, and you and you have no idea how 
it went off from the crew standpoint or from the celebrity, you always feel like you sucked, which I did anyway. But you always Not feel true. like you sucked because Not bless true. you because the celebrity. Is, okay, now it's now it's a virus. Yeah. Like, like, in today's day and age, you get one bless you, and then you now get, get, get we go out to the, the hospital. Room. Um, but, like, everybody, you're right, they, they have that look, and they're like, oh, well, it's not as fun without Ashton. And so you, especially, like, the comic mentality, we're all like, oh, that's all my fault. I could have been better or set a line different or done whatever I should have done better, and that's why the celebrity is not happy about this. No, that's not. That's the, literally the only thing that kept people, uh, and, they, and it wasn't even that they were unhappy, because most of them, when you say, oh, he's making a movie with Kevin Costner, he's doing that, it's like, oh. Yeah, of course they he is. get like, it. Yeah, they get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I see how it works. You know, but like, <laughs> some by the by the season we were on, some of the celebrities were like, why can't I make a movie with Kevin Conn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. But I mean, there's and also the amount of pressure that I can only imagine someone who'd never really been involved with the show would feel just like day one, and then like it's you got to be pushed into a pool, and then it's like, oh my god, th- he's wearing a mic, and then th- it's fucking going to get wet, and like... It's a tough show because you're waiting all day. Yeah, you were there a long time. When you're a kid, like if you two are hanging out, and you're waiting for me to walk through the door, and you're like, we're going to scare Mark, and you have that like, oh, that feeling, it lasts maybe five minutes, because that's as long as it's going to be for me to get to the door. Right. You have that feeling all day. <laughs> and there's cameras everywhere, and it's a lot. But from that, that like booking punked was like at least in my head. I'm like, hey, I did something. Somebody saw something. In I'm me. doing something enough right, and yeah. pointing in the right direction. I so mean, that's exactly how you should have looked at wherever that. Wherever else assuming you walk. your career took off right now, is that what you're saying? Like, I mean, you couldn't like a you. rocket. Okay, you, you were like turning down offers left and right. No, but I mean, look, I when said you, no to Costner. When you're two, <laughs> you're two. <laughs> Waterworld <laughs> two, I'm out. Um, yeah, I had enough pushing into pools. <laughs> yeah, I do one thing with a pool. Done. No this, water this world. Getting wet stuff is not for me, everybody. But two years it's in, bananas. You, you book Punked, which is at the time of still a very popular, very it's in, in the public eye yeah. constantly. Like people talked about that show a lot back then. That's gotta feel like it's uh, in the lexicon. You feel like you have a leg up over yeah. this, over someone else, and not that you're walking around holding it over everybody. No. but you hear well, these stories. Not that you did because you're not a piece of shit. <laughs> But then there's other people who you know it better uh, are better at this than you are that didn't get it, and you're yeah. like, well, God, this but that's is... how that's because this business, right? Also like, not everybody that right. should be getting stuff is always going to. That's right. just and you, that's kind of something that I think all of us we have to reconcile on a daily basis, right? Well, like that like you may not get something, even though you may be the right person, the best person for the job. Yeah, your mentality just has to be like, look, if if I get, and I still feel this way, like if I get a modicum of success or I have a good show or whatever, it, whatever position you're in, as long as you're giving back to people who are like below you or who are younger than you who are coming up, it's like you're you're, you're doing the thing the right way. Yeah. And then like that experience of being on a, this massive set with all these people relying on me, I think that there was a seed planted in there early where it's like, I wonder if instead of going just this route, which is great because I did like a, a few dozen commercials and crap like that, but it's like maybe I just do my own thing and build my own thing from the ground up. And this was right around the time when YouTube was starting to become a thing. So I did that movie review pilot for Fox. Okay. And, and it, the shoot went well, but it didn't really go anywhere. And it was just kind of this thing that got pitched and didn't really get any steam from it. And then, curiously, my buddy Christian Harloff, who I knew from the comedy store, who was already like a bigger comic in the, in the circuit by that point, um, hit me up about doing a pilot that he was working on. But then after that, he's like, hey, we have a pretty good chemistry. Do you want to come do this 
uh, TV at the time review thing that Current TV pitched to me. So Current, Current TV, TV, Al Gore's network, was like, hey, we want to do some TV pilot reviews. With Martini Peratori. Martini Peratori was the one that, that sent Christian the flip yes. cam. Yes, And then, so we get a flip cam in flip the mail. Cam. I did one of these, and yes. And so I film, right, you did. So I film him, and Christian filmed me, and I think that, that we probably filmed a lot of other comics for that particular set, and we sent the flip cam back in the mail. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> All the footage. And then you forget about it. And then they're like, hey, they, they liked uh, Christian and they liked me. So do you guys want to do like do more reviews of like movies and stuff? And we're like, yeah, sure. And then. The so it was never that was never the plan. This was just something that was kind of laid in your lap. No, it's just it, Interesting. It's like like my mentality is always like I, I just want to I want to do whatever I can to entertain people. Mm -hmm. Right. So whether and that's also yourself. I mean, if you already love movies and you're already involved in, you're like, you're going to go see movies anyway. That's and the now question. Did you love movies in that way before? Or is this, did this become more of like, did you, was well, there a learning curve? Yeah. I mean, well, the first thing I'll say is that I, I did realize very quickly, this ain't working in the coal mines, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. got to go see a movie. Oh, what if you got to do a double feature? Ugh, four <laughs> hours of watching a movie. What a grind. Yeah. Um, I'm all, I've always been a big movie fan, but I think if I look back on it, I was a fan of the movies that I loved, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. And then I love action movies and stuff like that. And then you start to get older. The thing is, I did not see a lot of movies in theaters. One, because I didn't have the money to go to Arclight every weekend. Yeah, no shit. But Who I even does? remember like Batman Begins came out, which is now, that's like my favorite comic book movie of all time. And it was Batman was back, and this was going to be the savior from like Bat Nipples and all the <laughs> right, Batman all and Robin, all that stuff. Bat skates. And I didn't go see it in the theater. I was like, ah, oh, that sounds cool. I'll wait, and I just didn't have that mentality of I need to rush out of the theater to see Batman Begins. Right. And then cut to a couple years later, and I get invited to press screenings, and you're going to Star Wars premieres and stuff like that. So you get entrenched, and now it's it's just it's not a full circle thing, but it's like now I'm back to, luckily I'm I'm able to just go see the movies that I feel like seeing. Again. Really. So I don't need to go see everything because like there was a good eight year span I'd say when Christian and I as schmoes know. We're going to four or five movies a week Jesus. to see everything that came out, and that because that was the job. Yeah, you had to, and that's what you talked that's, about. That's the gig, and the yeah. channel was going great. And but again, you the thing with YouTube is that if you have a show on YouTube, it's all about consistency yeah. and delivering as much content as you possibly can. Yeah. you can't do one movie review a month and build a following. Right. You just can't do it. You Has have to, to be. keep cranking new stuff out. And did you guys? So okay, so let's let's go so back. So that was Schmoes. No, was all YouTube. Schmozno was all YouTube at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. And this is about yeah. when? This was 2008, 2009. This well, was, I mean, this like was independent? This is you guys doing it independently at this so point, So Current TV, uh, we were working with Current TV, I think, and then there was something, uh, Rotten Tomatoes was interested in us doing a show for them in like 2008 or 2009, and we had like a pitch or whatever, and it, and it went great, and then we had this pilot, and then I was on the road in Alaska. It was my first time headlining. And Christian came with me to feature because he was he was kind of out of stand up by that point or he was like, you know, thinking about hanging up the jersey. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why don't you come up to Alaska? We can film some dumb stuff, put it on our, our fledgling YouTube channel. And when we land in Alaska, right before the first show, we find out that that pilot that we had shot uh, got approved, but they wanted to recast it. <laughs> so oh, good. So there was a movie show, but they wanted other hosts for it. And so we're sitting there thinking like, OK. You know what? We're pissed, but we're we're just going to lean everything we have into this YouTube thing. 
So then we just started leaning full into YouTube and doing funny videos and doing mainly movie reviews on there. And then that's when that really started to take off. So I'd probably say uh, early 2009. What, what did you, was there one moment or one movie review or one thing that you guys did that, that clicked more than like early on that you went, oh, so this is kind of what people were really into? Like, you know what I mean? Because it is pieces of a puzzle. You're trying to figure out what triggers people to really be interested. Were there specific types of movies that you noticed that you were getting that were getting spikes or was it had nothing to do with that? Well, you hate to say it because like it's obviously like the big comic book movies. I, I think we got a little lucky, not only when we kind of got to YouTube because we were like one of the first colonists to get there. Yeah. And then there was also this phenomenon of these huge movies that are comic book films that are all related to each other. So the MCU, I think, started in 2000. Maybe that started in 2008 with Iron Man. Yeah, I think it did start with Iron Man. If that's as far back as 08. And then everybody wanted to not only see the movie, but then go talk about it and feel like they're part of this community that we, unbeknownst to us, started. We're starting to foster. Yeah. You know, there were other movie reviewers before us. And then I, I don't know that there were ever movie reviewers that were two of us eventually on camera together that were somewhat professional comics that but, had that had that cadence had the rhythm and knew that there should be a laugh every so often. So basically a comedic Sis Siskel and Ebert, but like right. you, you, but you knew less about movies. Much, <laughs> much <laughs> less. But you knew what you liked. And you're like, for nerds, like not nerds, but you know what I mean. Like you, you talk about the Marvel comic universe. You're talking about like to be really engrossed in that. Like right. to really like, like I've never watched one of those movies and gotten angry. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, and I've, I've I've watched some that I didn't like. I've watched some that I liked, but I've never watched one of them like, God damn it! Yeah, they didn't do this. This I've never had that. So you're dealing with you're dealing with the people who do get. You're dealing sometimes. with people who right. are fucking genuinely pissed mm -hmm. at one thing in one certain movie, and like like you're talking about the people that wanted to rewrite or reshoot all of the last. Uh, Game of Thrones season, like those lunatics that get right. online and start petitions, and you're like, so Holy how do you maintain shit. those people? You maintain those people because there is this this fascinating thing that happens online, and it's manifested itself in prior forms of media. The Howard Stern example is that in private parts, there's that famous scene when he's in D.C. at the time, and they're talking about how people who love Howard Stern listen to the show for two hours, and they're like, wow. And then they say, here's the crazy thing. People that hate Howard Stern listen, listen to for him for three, three hours. hours. So I, I've done a number of, like I did a review for, uh, for the Superman movie Man of Steel. Uh -huh. um, Captain America, Winter Soldier are the two ones that stick out in my head where I like, like the movies okay, but I didn't love them. And I made that abundantly clear in the review. And the people came after me, man. They came after me, but they stuck around. And usually they're not even sticking around to hate on everything I say about every movie. But it just, it, even if you don't love somebody's take on something, you can get invested in how your opinion is different than their opinion. And do you, because you are clearly are able to have a, a, a conscious debate about these movies without fucking losing your mind. So did you engage these people in a way that made them feel like, oh, he hears what I'm saying, and even though he doesn't agree, at least we're discussing it, and that's all they really want to do is talk to somebody about these movies anyway. Well, I think a lot of people, when they comment about anything online to this day, I don't think that they always expect a response. Right. That they're just doing it, and then... You know, maybe six times out of ten, if you actually respond back to them, they back off immediately. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just mad. I'm sorry. Like, I take it all back. 
No, you know, and then some people are just are just outright trolls. Sure. Just oh yeah. Besides, besides those, to get not, that rise out of you. Yeah. But a lot of the comments, even back in the day, like like they were not, they were not trolling simply to be trolls. They were genuinely upset that somebody that maybe they respect or at least somebody that they're watching online did not feel the same way about a movie, and it's become this thing now where I just don't feel like a lot of fans have confidence in their own opinion. Because there's so many opinions out there, and there's so many people that they watch, and so it's like it's not enough anymore for a fan to like something. It's I have to like it, and everybody else has to like it, oh, or else crazy. it sucks, and it's going to make me mad. Like I'm, I'm confident enough in my own opinion. I love the Rise of Skywalker, the last Star Wars movie. I, I love it. it a lot of people are are mixed on it, and that's fine with me because it's not going to affect how I feel. That's about the thing. It. Like oh. what what. But wow, it shouldn't. Like it yeah. shouldn't. There are movies that I like that people are like, dude, that movie fucking sucks. It doesn't matter. That's and like it somebody saying I that's like going and saying, I love Fuddruckers hamburgers, and somebody going, You're I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Your I, family and, should die. Fuddruckers is trash. That's right. Yeah, it's the worst hamburger ever. You're like, Well, thank God we don't share the same taste buds in yeah. stomach. Also because it doesn't matter. Yeah, also we're not dating, so we never have to worry about accidentally going to Fuddruckers when you don't like it. Like, calm down. There's something to be said for having having a dialogue with somebody and like I can talk to you know so like I, I can talk to either one of you guys about a movie that I'm on the fence about and we can and I can maybe have a greater understanding of how I feel about a movie after talking to you you may be able to win me over right like I'm, I'm open to debate but at some point it's like this is how I feel about the movie and it's not going to change I mean the the crazy thing early on is that we realized but it's like it's kind of opening Pandora's box is that people loved watching our reviews when we hated a movie because sometimes ne negativity is a lot stronger than positivity. What do you mean yeah. sometimes? I've never liked watching a movie that I hate and ripping on a movie. I know how hard it is to make a movie, to make anything, to get right. anything off the ground. I know how hard it is. Yeah. But sometimes you're sitting there, and you just saw The Prince of Persia for two hours, and then you had to go right from there, sneak into Sex in the City 2. Oh, man. And that's one of our – I think that, that Sex in the City 2 review – was early on one of those ones where we're like, man, we really got to rise out of people in Dude, a positive that way. that movie, even the people, my wife loves Sex and the City. Mm -hmm. uh, th that second movie is insanely bad. Yeah. Like, it goes from, hey, well, New York, to boom, we're in fire, India. It's off-the-wall bonkers, dude. I, there's a famous story that, and we mentioned this in the review up top, we're like, look, full disclosure, we had to bail on this thing halfway through. So we had other people, like, guest and, like, tell us about the second Tell you what happened? Movie. So I am done with the movie, right? And I tell Christian, I'm like, dude, I'm going to the bathroom. I go out there. Ten minutes later, I texted Christian, and I was like, dude, just get out of there. Just get out of there, man. Just bail. And luckily, he checked his phone, which you should not do in a theater. And <laughs> he saw it. And then he shows up, and he's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're out of here. We just couldn't do it. Dude, it's crazy bad. Like, it's Have you ever walked out in a movie? You know? I've only walked out in one. I'll tell you. I'm just curious what yours is. I don't think I have. I, I, I had to leave Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, not because I was walking out, but because, like, my phone is going crazy, and I had some Burger King call back, and they were like, dude, you got to get over there now. And I'm, it was like a Wednesday. I was like, oh, I can go see a movie. And they're like, fuck, no, you can't. And then I left before the end, and everyone's like, oh, you left before the end? Great. You missed the shittiest part of the movie. And yeah. I was like, what? And they're like, it's fucking stupid. People hated that movie. Yeah. And I was like, look, them fighting on the cars was silly, and goofy, but I wasn't ever gonna walk out. My plan was never to like. I gotta get out of here because I did. You uh, book the commercial? I did. I did. There you go. See, it was a burger. That's King a better ending than Crystal Skull. What's that? That's better, a better ending. ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you booked a commercial. Mine was 
this is back when I used to work in radio. We'd get all the free promo, like free screening promo passes. And I walked out of Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was the <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And it had well, Leslie, um, Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. And Leslie Nielsen had, had a really good run for a while. He was making some really funny stuff. Well, Leslie naked Nielsen, gun. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore of spoof movies. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. But that one, Airplane, Naked Gun. That I mean, one, I mean, it takes a lot for me. I, am f- I, I studied film in college, but I'm still not approved. It takes a lot to get me to be like, I'm done. I can't like and that I mean one, Dracula I was Dead like, loving it. That's funny that you're like, well, at least it was a free at least it was a pass someone I, gave you. Look, and, and if I had paid a hundred dollars, I, I would have left. left. I mean, I remember watching that movie. I rented that movie and like even like like Robin Hood Men in Tights, it's like ah, there, uh, there's a couple funny things. Just Chappelle's good. Like <laughs> Dracula Dead Loving it, renting it and just thinking like it's like you're watching an old picture. And you're like, God, oh, can Nolan Ryan crank up that fastball one more time? <laughs> yes. Not Dracula doesn't love it. And, and you know what's funny? That was the first time that I, I realized, actually the second time, because Jerry Lewis kind of also had the, at the end, you're like, oh. Uh-huh. Right. Like you realize, and this goes for great musicians, they just run out. Mm-hmm. They're tapped. And, mm-hmm. they, and they make a few more, and you're like, yeah, you probably should have just. But I get why they do. It's like an, probably an addiction for them. They need it. It feeds something in them. But you realize in... When you look back on it, you're like, yeah, you probably should have quit about three albums or three movies ago. <laughs> well, with Leslie Nielsen, though, like, he did, like, he was a legitimate actor. He I don't was. Know, I don't know why he never tried to do any, uh, maybe just because after he, Naked Gun. The money Gun, was great. I, I mean, don't like, know that we would have taken him seriously. That's the thing. After you see after he's Lieutenant Drebin, you can't be like. Be, because the whole thing with those movies, the genius of it is that he's playing it serious. Yeah. He's playing it. There, there's a little bit of an animated angle to it, but he's the straight man in yeah. all that. In all of it. And yep. so it's very, very hard to take a guy like that. Same thing with Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. Because like Lloyd Bridges, another serious actor. Have, if you guys have not seen Hot Shots recently, the first one, he is perfect. Yeah. It is one of the greatest comedic performances I have ever witnessed in my life. He's he is so good. Lloyd Bridges was uh, pretty badass on Seinfeld as well, like as the uh, dude. It was so funny. You think you're the number one? Da- I'm the number one. Da- I don't really know how official these ratings are. These are just number one dad T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like it, that was funny. he picks up the uh, hurts his back. I don't know. The, that was Lloyd Bridges was really was is very funny. Like well, it's, that, it's that weird curve that like usually when you see people in movies who start out funny. Like, like Tom Hanks or or even like Jim Carrey or Eddie Murphy who are legendary comedians, eventually they feel like, hey, now I want to do more drama. Because they can. Because, right, a, a, because right. a genuinely hilarious comedic person like Jim Carrey or Robin Williams or, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but like those guys going into dramatic films make sense mm-hmm. because nobody, not back then especially, you didn't get into comedy because you were a well-adjusted human being who fucking loved smelling flowers. <laughs> you were, you know what I mean? Like there was, there's darkness there and they could bring it to the surface. You can't go the other way. You can't take a Christian Bale and put him in a fucking comedy Very with rare. Danny DeVito. Yeah. It's never gonna well, work. Well, there's two different kinds. Kind of what you were talking about was that there's, there's, a, there's a genius in the casting and the directing of people and understanding that the only way they're going to get the comedy is to no, 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 you be you, you stay serious. If you tell I, Liam Neeson me. to be himself in Ted Two, it's going to play for laughs. Yeah. Yes, or that Ricky Gervais sketch where he comes in and wants to be a com- comedic <laughs> actor. That's probably one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. So, like, camp, you know, th- the other thing is camp, and uh, where I learned about that whole thing of like the concept of playing Shakespeare in comedy, like being so serious, was Commissioner Gordon in the original Batman series. Dude, he right. did not. 
and and it all. I think in some respects they had stumbled upon it on accident. They cast him because he looked right for the role. He did not realize that he was doing a campy comic book version of it, and they realized very quickly that he didn't realize that, <laughs> and it was genius. So just let him so keep doing it. So they let him really bring out the seriousness, and every time he was on screen, and they were like, oh, my God. You're perfect. Lightning in a bottle. And yeah. so it's like, if you can get that, that's what's funny. If you're Russell Crowe and you're trying to be funny... No. It doesn't work because that, that's not who you are. Boy, now, if, you just, if you just go do your thing, it may work if, if everything else are, is built around if that, you. That's yeah. when you have the genius of like the, the Abram Zucker guys or Amel Brooks where it's like, I, I have this guy who is serious. Now it's my job as the director to, to put, put them the in an environment. To put the craziest, stupidest shit around right. them that makes them look even more serious and makes the whole thing ridiculous. You know, ridiculous. a movie like Dracula Dead and Loving It that is actually one that I walked out on was <laughs> a movie You walked out of your own room? I walked out of my own room. <laughs> I'm out of here. It's still done. running. You just left to play, <laughs> but you refused to go in the room until it was done playing. Actually, Mar Mark Maron had a joke. Uh, like I, I can't remember what movie it was, but he's like, yeah, I got the screener for it. It was so bad, I left my house. <laughs> I walked out of my house. Um, is uh, year one. Oh, it was, yeah. It was Eric's, directed by Harold Ramis. Eric Serra and Jack Black. Uh, Michael Serra, yeah. Michael Serra, sorry. And, and it's about these cavemen. And it was just, everything was missing. And I leaned over, because this is when Harloff and I, we, we were doing the thing for a few years. We always gave our each other one pass. Because we see so many movies every year, it's like you get one pass a year to walk out of a movie. We're trying to be professional, we're trying to review it. You get one pass a year. And I look over at him, I'm like, dude, I'm using my pass. He's like, no, no, <laughs> hang in there. So I went back over to him, I'm like, if they make a Sodom and Gomorrah joke that references that being Las Vegas, I get to leave. Ten minutes later, Sodom and, Gano and Gomorrah Vegas choke. And I don't even look at him. I'm just like, done. I'm out. I'm out. Dude, yeah. That's the sad thing when you see it coming, right, from a mile away on mm -hmm. top of but it that's, all. But, but then you, on paper, on paper, the talent, Ramus and Jack Black. I mean, on Ramus paper, alone. you're like, well, this yeah. is gold. This is going to be gold. Yeah. Like, but again, if we're going to get into the weeds of... Studio filmmaking. Sure, that should also not surprise you because once that you know, there's the great story about what's that Disney movie? Uh, Jack John John Carter. John yeah. Carter. John yeah. Carter was 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 really I think for the average person because it, it it was such a big flop on how it went, but it had so many articles written on it. Was that you need to understand when it gets big, it's like a plane. Once it takes off, it's not coming back. Yeah, and even if everybody knows. This is a shit show, mm -hmm. and we got to finish. It's but the problem is, too many hands have already been in. The money, everything is locked in place. You can't. You stop finish it. the shit show. You can't it's, stop it's it. It's become a thing that even more fans are aware of it now. Because like like back in the day, like when John Carter came out, or before then, I was such a neophyte to how movies get made. I was an appreciator of movies, but again, I never went to film school. Christian actually studied movies, and he worked in the studio system when he first moved out here. He got a job as, I don't know, a PA or something. He, he climbed the, the ranks at Joel Silver's company. So he was actually like involved in oh, pitch meetings. Oh, I didn't meetings know that about and, like, him. Yeah, and he yeah. saw all these things, and he actually got his hands on a, on a couple scripts and gave notes for like big movies that, that had come out. Like He was in the system, so he knew how it worked, but he also knew how hard it was to have a vision from a paper coming in and then being like, okay, we're going to make that exact movie, and it never ends up no. being anything like that. And what fans have come to realize is that you have these figureheads, like a guy like Kevin Feige, who is in charge of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. His vision is has been so good, and that's why those movies are great. But if you come on to direct a movie in the MCU, 
you're there on set every day, but you're directing. It's that it's their vision. It's the Marvel. It's like t- that's more of a TV way of doing it, right? And so if that yes, vision is good, that is very much then, TV. Yes, then, then that's awesome. But if it's bad, you as a director are just kind of screwed. Where it's like, well, the, this is the powers above me are doing things. This movie that I have no control over, but I know it's not good. Yeah. So luckily, the Marvel movies have been good. Yes. Yeah. But but then you look at the, those DC movies, like where they came in and they did Batman fighting Superman way too early and the matriculation, and they were they were trying to keep up with what was going on in the MCU. And it's like, y'all is just, that why they did? Because I I first of all, I don't mind those DC movies. I'm I'm like for yeah, comics, there's book. there's not minding them, and then oh, there's no, what right. Marvel has done, which has gotten people to love. I them. think I, the issue of comparing them to the MCU. Which again is what I feel like the figureheads at DC were doing. Yeah, they were trying to keep pace with that because they probably saw fans say, "Hey, you know what? Iron Man is now Iron Man's cooler than Batman." Yeah, and I think that they just tried to keep pace with that instead of running their own race. And they failed. You believe it's it's not going great. It, it, actually, recently it has. Like, like Wonder Woman was good, Joker was good, and I think that they're starting to figure out that like, hey, we don't need to build this one giant cinematic universe. Like what Marvel did, we and can have every movie tie. We can do a, this this standalone Joker movie. Yeah, and that eventually, has to do with any of the other ones. And eventually, if we find a good script or write a good script, and it does tie everything together, great. Right. But like, don't make that your sole focus and focus so hard on it that you're just fucking up everything you're making right now <laughs> in order to try to tie it together in 15, 20 years or whatever. And it's, you can tell with that Joker movie that that was less creative visions. Into one movie because it only costs like sixty million dollars to make. What was your did you What was your review of that movie? Well, as a comic, I'm like, this is just a normal Tuesday for us. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like one open mic and you get on fucking equivalent of Carson. Like that seems a little bit. Well, you know, so for me, I don't know. Can I share a couple thoughts on that film? I I. Brian, I'm the movie reviewer here, okay? <laughs> you cannot I will tell you how Brian, you felt about the Brian, movie. Brian, here's what no, you I'm need to your, share. It will be your opinion, ultimately. <laughs> Don't worry, Mark. Um, no, but I, in watching it, definitely ripped off King of Comedy. Um, in, in watching it, um, there was a little-known movie called The Clapper. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was a small independent film. Uh-uh. It was actually filmed in my neighborhood. I watched it. It was like on Amazon or something like that. That uh, had had a lot of the the same thing the uh, the going into the studio kind of fin- big finish of the make you know bringing somebody in to make fun of them. Really? Yes. Was that person a comedian? Uh, no, but he was an oddball, and so they oh, were I using the this. oddball. Obviously, the Joker situation ended way. Di- Russell Peters was the, was the Robert De Niro version in the Clapper, and so when I was watching really? it, I was like, and I was a huge when I first went into film school, which would have been the late '80s, early '90s. Obviously, I studied. A lot. I was fascinated with 1970s filmmaking because it was such a groundbreaking time. So when I watched that movie, I was like, "It's pretty clear that um, you know what's his name, whose name escaped me right now, the director uh, Todd, Phillips. Uh, Todd Phillips clearly was like, I want to make something from the night. I wanted to have a 1970s vibe to it. Yeah, it and, and I would throw Taxi Driver in there too. Taxi Driver, yes, um, yes, yes. But but yeah, King of Comedy so much so that it's like, look, this thing is so much like King of Comedy. I have to cast De Niro right. just so everybody knows that, that I this know. is an homage to King of Comedy. And I'm okay with homages too, by the way. Like I don't have a problem with it as long as you're not pretending you're, you're breaking new ground. Yeah. And, and like, I, I have a lot of thoughts on Joker just because when I left it, I was like, that was a really well-made movie. The, the performance was incredible. I don't know that I ever need to see it again. And then, in like what we were talking about earlier, in talking to my friends, some of them were like, the way that some of the shots are composed is so crazy good that it's worth a second repeat. So I 
do want to go revisit it, but it also, it's a very emotionally unstable movie, and it can make you as the viewer feel unsettled, so it's not like I'm going to have all my friends over on Saturday yeah. right. and watch Joker like I would, you know, Batman v Superman. I yeah. took my son to it. Did you really? Yeah. But he was 14, so 14, I was like, yeah, so. yeah, he was fine, and honestly... You know, it, I didn't think he was going to like it because it was pretty heavy on, like, you're talking did about the emotion. What, what, did he know that, like, like Batman's not showing up? Yes. Okay. Okay, a, a little bit of a backstory, which makes it a little bit weird. This is, like, the Hollywood backstory of it, which is a little bit weird. So in the football league we play in, we play the Affleck family in football. And so the oldest son, we always joke about the fact that his, his uncles are Batman and Joker. Oh, yeah. So he wanted he and so like you know what I mean like he's like well let's go see you know the one uncle guy's movie like that kind of weird thing you know so I think there was a, a unlike the rest of Middle America my son had a little bit of a skewed sure perspective going into it if that makes sense um, but I I also showed him his his name is Tanner and I also named after Tanner from Bad News Bears and when I showed him Bad News Bears he was infuriated <laughs> with me. That I had named him after the biggest douchebag in film history. That's so funny. But I told him that's not how I saw it growing up. But now when you watch that movie now, you're like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That kid. Tanner's the most likely to be a hashtag on social media (laughs) in Bad News Bears. Exactly. That is right. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing is that, you know, it has some very brief but extremely violent stuff in it. Um, which, you know, we could process that. I just didn't think that he would really get that. Like you said, it's a very disturbing emotional journey. I just he appreciated it, was, it. He liked it. You know, and, like, because we're all stand-ups, any time that you, that you show what a comedy club feels like, I'm always interested in your vision. It's usually not 100% accurate. True. And I'm trying to th- I think the best that I've ever seen a comedy club captured on, in a movie was at the beginning of Man on the Moon when Andy Kaufman goes up as Elvis and he's just, he's bombing. Or he goes up as an as himself or his weird foreign guy impression, and he's bombing, and then he closes with Elvis, and he crushes at the improv in the late 70s. There's a shot that they do that's behind his... It, the, the camera's behind him, so it's looking out into the crowd, and it's just the most indifferent crowd you've ever seen. And it's like, yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we do have a very specific... Uh, th- that stuff has a different effect on us that I think right. it has for the... Because most of those people, their perspective when they see that is from the audience standpoint. Yeah. They're like, oh, I remember when I saw that shitty comedian. That one, <laughs> right? That's how they look at it, right? That's their perception. And we're looking at it going, yeah, I remember when you audience failed me that one time and really you soul crushed me. <laughs> I remember how I felt after I left the stage because of you people. This is my first thought watching the Joker <laughs> comedy club scene is like, okay, look, Gotham, clearly, the, economically, Gotham is not doing well. Right. But it's apparently <laughs> doing better than New York because they have the nice candles on each table. <laughs> like, wow, this comedy club's got, they're throwing some dollars around. Speaking of having a perspective, what was the hard, what's the what was for you when you were doing this stuff coming from a comedy background? Was it comedy that you struggle with the most in in respects to reviewing movies because that's the world you came from or what was the one you had the hardest okay so it, it, always comedy. And did you feel like a jerk because you were like am I being a prude right. am I Because you're working at it every night and you're not great every night. You're not great most nights. And so who am I to say oh this movie wasn't funny? There's a movie called Dinner with Schmucks. Yeah, that I thought was just, I thought it was atrocious. I thought it was not funny at all, and that was maybe the hardest movie review I ever had to do because there's so many funny people in it that yeah. I look up to. That that especially at that time in my life, it's like, oh, what if this? What if these people want to work with me at some right. point, and they see and that's me a hard part of this, kill right? Their movie, yeah. And it, it, but it's so bad. It's just not funny at all. 
And it's a really weird, mean spirited movie that like doesn't like. It's just weird. It's a strange movie. Yeah, there, there's some funny shit in there, but like that's just because people are wearing capes and being goofballs, right? Yeah. And 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 so I just I, I feel very uncomfortable saying something else is not funny because you know a little bit of it is just being selfish because it's so easy for somebody to go watch my special or whatever I, whatever TV thing I did and come back and say, "Well, you, you weren't suck. funny either." Yeah, right. yeah. And because I know that that. that it, it sucks to see somebody say that you're not funny. It does, but also it's very important that everyone remember that everything is subjective for the most part. Like, yeah. like your opinions are sub- like everything you see, just because you didn't like Dinner for Schmucks, like that doesn't mean I'm still, I'm like never going to watch it again or never look at a piece of it again or be mad at it. Like, and is it part of your angle w- it, w- when you and Christian were doing it? Was part of your guys' angle like, look, these are subjective. We're not trying to be objective film critics that studied. Film and saying this is why it's wrong. Where you did, was the approach of like, look, you may or may not agree with us, but this is where we're coming from. The feeling this. that we had at the time when we started Schmoes, which has maybe changed a little bit, is look, it, we we our sense of critics back then. Like I loved watching Cisco and Ebert. I thought they had a great dynamic. But my sense of movie critics back then was that they're at this cruising altitude of thirty thousand feet, where they feel like they're just telling everybody else how to feel about movies. And Christian and I never wanted to do that because, honestly, we didn't think we had the authority to do that. We just wanted to be two regular people talking about movies. And that's where the jokes come in. That's where we're making fun of each other. That's where we can start talking about a movie and we can go off on a tangent and come back because we're not trying to be professional. And then, lo and behold, you get you know, certified on Rotten Tomatoes and accredited with all these different organizations and stuff. And you meet hundreds of movie critics, and most of them, you're like, no, you're actually not a douche. You're actually really cool. I actually like you a lot. So it, that's changed a little bit, but it's never been like, I'm, I'm never trying to come at it from the angle of, hey, I'm a critic, and I'm going to tell you how to feel about a movie because I'm smarter than you. It's very subjective. This is it's my like, opinion. This is and my opinion? What? I'm, that's why the name Schmo. It's like, I'm, I'm just a moron. Like most other people, yeah. And I want to go to the movie and shove popcorn in my face, and this is how I felt about it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, and so Schmoes is still going on. You guys are still doing that. So what we what it's evolved into is uh, Christian and I had this brainchild of a movie trivia show, right? That we were originally going to tag at the end of our podcast because we used to do a weekly podcast, um, and it was two hours. So the last thirty minutes, we started having everybody in the crew battle each other at movie trivia and like christian and i would write all the questions and sometimes fans would chime in with their questions and and it became this thing we called it the schmodown and then it started to evolve and christian had this idea of it being a full show and like most live things show. in our relationship it, it, its own thing before it was a live show just its own youtube uh, okay, show okay. and with most things most things with me and christian i was like that's ah, stupid that's never gonna work and then christian has this vision and he made it a reality and it started to get really popular online and now he's the Vince McMahon of this giant multiple leagues of movie trivia no knowledge. Shit. There's a singles league, there's a teams league, there's this this league called Inner Geekdom, which is just about like the comic book and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars kind of movies. And now it's its live event that tours and we do one show a month usually somewhere. Like I was in Atlanta this weekend and doing stand up and then Saturday is the Schmodown night. And that's a sold-out theater. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you Holy guys tie them shit. into other events that are going on, or it's all their own independent? Y- usually it's all us. I mean, and actually when we found, because like we went to Comic-Con last year, and we, we did it at a theater. And I think if we do a Comic-Con event, we might want to partner up with Comic-Con. 
Uh, just because there's so much stuff going on at Comic Con that yeah, you know, it yeah. kind of get, gets lost it's in the like fold. It's like doing, doing a comedy show in Los Angeles. Like <laughs> there might be another comedy show somewhere in Los Angeles. <laughs> it kind of gets lost. Uh, my movie show gets lost at Comic Con, just like a comedian trying to do comedy yeah. gets lost. <laughs> exactly. But I always get like so jealous of like like in the '70s when they're talking about when the comedy store opened and like you know everybody was coming to the comedy store, all these audiences they're just there. And like if you were a comic, you just walked in the street. Hey, do you want to go up and do 15? It's a sold yeah. out house. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It never happened. It, it never happened. I, they, they said it did, but it probably oh, never Probably really happened never happened that like that, right. You, uh, where did you grow up, by the way? Uh, Virginia, mainly. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around and did a bunch of different stops at places. And then when he got out of the Air Force, uh, we settled in Williamsburg, Virginia. And how old were you when you finally settled? Uh, that movie Hotbed, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, <laughs> I was probably... Uh, ten maybe. Okay. So so most of my my formative maybe eleven my, my formative years like growing up was solidified with me and my family on the road coming to or going to a place that was you know Maryland Florida California New Jersey and then eventually Virginia and then you know then I had the experience the opposite experience of just having like one place where we lived. Uh, we still had like three or four different houses within Williamsburg, Virginia, where we had to move to. But I was th- from there on. It's like these are my friends. This is my school, as opposed to being on the road all the time. Was that? Did you years. like that? I, I honestly, I look back on. I kind of like both. Yeah. And I think that that road life kind of informed how I feel as an adult. That's like if I, every time you I were go really to a hotel, young though, I, mean, I, I get into a hotel and I'm like, I can, can you believe? I, I'm in my own hotel room. Just, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I love it. I like, will say, I, I had this thought. I was in uh, Salt Lake City this weekend, at a, like, and I stayed at this uh, Marriott, Courtyard Marriott, or whatever they, they had. But You just uh, stayed in the courtyard itself? Yep. Turns out they didn't really actually have a place for you there. <laughs> but the hotel, it was a small room, but like I, when I came back, I, remember I said uh, to Nicole, we were eating lunch, and I was like, it was the most. It was the best use of space in mm-hmm. a small room I'd ever seen. Like the way they designed everything, like everything you could move it out, put it back, and it came off the wall. And like I was like, it was actually the smartest. She's like, well, you spend enough time in hotel rooms now. This is actually kind of important to you. I, I get to a hotel room and I turn on the TV. Sometimes I go to a room and they have Netflix on there, and and I'm like, they have Netflix uh, yeah. at a hotel. I don't watch it, but no. it's, right. just, it's just nice having these incredible amenities. It's the old, uh, the old. Color TV, HBO, 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 cable, f- uh, uh, f- long distance phone calls. Yes, <laughs> like, right, right. HBO and Color TV is literally the sign that, that was the uh, the hotel in Ashland. Like as you drive in Ashland, Wisconsin, it was like HBO, Color TV. Even in college, we were like, calm down with the Color TV. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it we, better especially be like back in the day, when we we're driving and like we we'd find a Holiday Inn, and if on the the marquee it said Showtime, oh, like, what are we, the Rockefellers? <laughs> Showtime, we can't stay there. We're we gonna look at Eddie boobs all night. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> and you know what? The one that never appealed to me—the pool. Because very early on, you're like, "Oh, it's us. It's me and you people too." Oh, yeah. Like, just, all of a sudden, you're like, "Let's just stick to the what's in the, in the room." And you know what? Let's crazy? just stick to the stuff yeah. that we don't have to as ming- a, mingle. As a kid, though, <laughs> as a kid, like when my my parents took us to Disney. What's the one in Florida? Disneyland. Disney World. Disney yeah. World. When I was uh, uh, in like third grade, and all we wanted to do was hang out at the hotel pool. My mom was infuriated. We were like, let's go back to the pool. Let's yeah, but do you pool. know why? Have you been to some of those small ones? You open it up. It's like a fucking sauna. 
They've put so Lizard much outside. bleach in mm-hmm. the thing that your face is burning while you're in there. <laughs> but like, and kids are stupid, right? Kids don't know. We, I'm burning. All we know is I'm that we're, we're in we're in water, and it's, it feels and it's not yours. Great, and it's and we don't have to clean up anything. <laughs> and w- you go from the you play the game where you go from the pool into the hot tub, and then back and forth, yes. and you just keep messing up your body's that's core right. temperature. It's so much fun until you get an open sore, and then your mom's like, "That's enough. <laughs> well, we, got, we have to get out of here." <laughs> so but, you see that band aid floating in the pool? That for me is always like. <laughs> It's time to get out of here. I found a band-aid. As an adult, I like... What is this on my arm? (laughs) In the last, like, five to six years, just going to hotels, like, every once in a great while, I will try to use a pool somewhere. And every time, it could be like, you'll see it, you'll look at the pool, it's empty, it's empty, it's empty, there's no one in the pool, there's no one in the pool. You walk by, you walk by, you're like, you know what, I'm going to go to the pool. You get in, as soon as you get in, like, and always a dude, always like a hairier dude comes Mm -hmm. out and gets in the pool with you. Yeah, every time I get into a hot tub, that's my experience. It's it's like, as soon as I get into a hotel pool, it's the the scene from Caddyshack where all the caddies are out there swim. It's it's caddy swim. Where did you people come from? You guys, you got, you have, if you want people to stay away from you, Make sure that you put on a swim cap. I don't care if you're going in the hot tub or in the pool. No one's swim capping since 82. So if no. you swim cap, they're like, yeah, I don't know what this guy's got, he got going on. But it's some sort of medical issue that this person has. This person just got hair restoration he's, surgery. He's clearly not going for speed here. So It's not about aerodynamics. <laughs> Let's get out of there. This guy's freaking us out with a swim cap. Uh, how many people are in your uh, family? Um, in the family, I have, uh, my, my dad passed away. My mom is still kicking and traveling all over the, the world. Um, my, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay, so, so you're in the two middle. Two years difference. I'm okay. right smack dab. Each way? Yeah. Each way? Did the older sister huh? like it? Two years difference each way? Like, each way, yeah. Oh, wow, that's yeah. cool. Planned up. Very well planned. Very, very well, well planned. planned. Yeah, yeah my, my mom recently told me she, I'm the one that she actually remembers the conception, which is now That's the a great conversation to never have. My mom has this thing. Where uh, you when you when you cheers, you have to look the other person in the eye. Yeah, no, she that's, hurt something that's or else thing. it's seven years of bad sex. Oh, so now when me well, and my mom are like hanging what? out, and like I have a beer and she has a glass of wine, <laughs> we toast and we're looking each other in the eye and we're both thinking about each other in the bedroom. And yeah. it's like this is the worst uh, situation that you could possibly be in with your mother. Yeah, yeah, like somehow or another, you're helping your mom have better sex. I don't understand what your role is, especially here. because my mom's getting laid more than I am. <laughs> so. Very disheartening. Mom's got to do better on her eye contact with Mom, you, Mark. I've always Mom's heard, crushing it. I've always heard you're supposed to look people in the eye when you cheers them. I've never heard it was seven years of bad sex. Seven years of bad sex. Uh, yeah. Uh, listen, all, just please promise me that when you, after a night of sex with someone, you're like, thank, thank <laughs> Thanks, God. Thanks, Mom. My, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, roll over to the girl. You know, my mom and I were making eye contact, so I knew it was going to be good tonight. I'm sorry, what? I know that was good <laughs> for you. I know that was good for you because me and my mom looked each other in the eyes when we cheers the other night. Just whispering here, you know, according to my mom, we got six more years of this coming. Uh, I'm going to go. Bye. Don't call me. Lose my number. It's Well, with me, the more the more likely thing is it's not a good night. And I just call my mom. I'm like, Mom, you and I got to get, uh, one of us has to get on a plane and toast because I'm not staring at you hard enough. I'm, look, I'm not looking deep enough into your eyes. Oh, my God. Uh, did, did the traveling, how, how did the traveling affect your older sister? Did that have more of an effect on her? Or, you know, the, the way that I think we all look back on it is that it solidified our bond more. You never know that at the time. So you're tighter as a family yeah. because you're, you, you all, you're the one consistent. Right. You, you wouldn't know it uh, by where we live currently because my sister lives in Virginia. I'm in L.A. My brother's in Seattle. So like we're, we're well, triangulated all across the country. But, but see, 
we're, we live in a time when you can still be close with family and friends without ever having to like. Oh, as an uncle, it's it's fantastic yeah. because yeah. they all they, both of them have have kids, nice. and so now I just get to fly in, but I'm far enough away from them yeah. to where it's not like they're just coming down the street yeah. to Uncle Mark's house. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, also, I'm I can't believe I didn't ask this question first. Do your siblings also have to make eye contact with your mom? Also. Yes, um, they do. And are you guys passing this down? Um, <sighs> passing it down? No. But here's the here's what I, like, if I'm hanging out with you tonight and we and we have a beer, I, I, I do like like the, the act of a toast. Like, hey, man, sure. good to see That's you. That's fine. Yeah, Cheers. Yeah. Clink, yeah. I'm going to know. <laughs> I'm trying to look at you. So if you don't look at me, it ain't my fault. <laughs> It ain't my seven years of bad sex. So you're not going to say it. You're not going to I'm gonna not go, saying it. Okay, so this is just a family thing. This is across the board. The I'm way not the putting that works. curse on you. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. then I might text you like three years later. Hey, how's the sex life? Hey, been? wondering so if you've been uh, able to get boners in the last couple of years. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know, I keep going back to that one night we were toasting. <laughs> you and, didn't um, look at me, and <laughs> my boners are great, but. <laughs> once you text Erwin and it's like, hey, man, how's your sex life been the last couple of years? You get a phone call back. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a text. Uh, what the hell's wrong with yeah. you? What's going on? Uh, hey, it's Brian. Do I need to know something? Um, <laughs> am I not remembering? Now that you mention it, ever since that night. What? Uh, um, exactly. So this makes me wonder, though, because you were traveling a lot, mm-hmm. did, because I'm always fascinated where, where comedy comes from people. Were you a, were, was was TV was TV part of you being your best friend growing up because you can't you know I'm assuming there's right there's got to be a learning curve also with meeting new people every time you go somewhere it's like you're or were you an insta friender like it's got to be one or the other right I remember having friends everywhere I went I remember having a good crew of friends everywhere I went but I also like I distinctly remember the feeling of the challenge anytime you go to a new place and you're in a new school is Halloween is the is is kind of the the Mendoza Ooh. line. So okay. if you have friends by Halloween, you're fine. Okay. If you don't have friends by Thanksgiving, then something's a little off. So oh. like like if you're you know middle of October, you're asking your friends, "Hey, what are you going to be for Halloween?" It's like, "You know what? I did it." I solidified myself. Interesting. I implanted myself in this new community like, like a Russian spy. I'm in. You're in. You're in. I'm in. They, they accept tr- you. I've gained their trust. Now you can rob them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then th- then you uh, you you then you go to the next place and you hope to meet somebody. I don't know that I was ever like the funny guy when I was doing that or like trying to be because so I think that was, I was not your your mechanism. Not not it, when I was moving around. Once I got to high school, that's when it's like, man, this this laughter thing. This yeah. feels amazing. And was it an accident that you just started getting addicted to? Like you noticed all of a sudden, like, hey, I'm actually rocking I, it here a little I, bit. This I is be- my end. I became conscious of it. In like sixth grade, like me and a bunch of my friends would like write like spoof kind of like we called them stupid stories. Like we were just like very inspired by Naked Gun and stuff like that. Just yeah. like kind of spoof comedy, but like on the written page. And then you'd hand it to like one of your classmates or maybe if you got a girl to read it, that was the uh. biggest thing. And then you're watching them and you're waiting for the laugh because you see where their eyes are on the page. So you know they. Like, be, you're getting to it. You're getting to it. Senses, here comes a laugh. No, <laughs> no. Get the laugh. Or sometimes if they did get the giggle, it's like, oh, that's the best feeling in the world. And I think that's where the hook was. And then actually talking in high school or like giving a speech or doing anything else, you always try to get a laugh in there. And yeah, whenever you had to give a speech, becomes... whenever I had to give a speech, dude, I would get a laugh. Like even through college, I would be like, yeah, yeah I had to take the, these speech classes that were. I mean, did you ever have a problem with speech? No. I, no. I, I, the only time I ever had a problem with speech was like, I remember we had to do one speech in college, 
And we, it, it was like a, a formal speech or whatever. So everybody had to like wear like a suit. And I was sweating my tits off. <laughs> and so I just looked like a cokehead up there. Like, All right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my speech is about 1980s business. Here's the deal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's got a takeover, man. Green is good, dude. Everyone's like, whoa, dude. Right, so Mark we're opening a restaurant tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if we bought this school, we could live here together forever. Everyone's so, like, what the fuck is going on? I do like just say you, you had a really good Coke joke that you probably Coke did joke. 10 years ago, but you had a really good bit. I used to Coke open Coke. by saying, oh my God, is it hot in here? Am I just chubby and coked up? <laughs> and then I would say something like, if you're, uh, I, I would say, oh, I would say you, if you're going to do cocaine, I, I would say, first of all, if you're thinking about doing cocaine and you've never done it before, my advice would be don't. Some people really need it, all right? <laughs> and, uh, and then I would say, uh, if, uh, if, you do, if you are going to do cocaine, I think everyone should have to do a lot of it off of a mirror at least one time because there's nothing like uh, starting to party a little bit on a Friday and then like Monday morning rolls around and you're like, oh, my God, I should probably go to work and put some pants on. And you scrape that little bit last together and you can look right into your own eyes, right into that <laughs> mirror. And you can see how dead you are inside. And that's magic always. <laughs> Basically, all my cocaine humor was anti-cocaine. He was like master of puppets. Like, this album's about there. cocaine. Like, was, uh, well, yeah, college kids here, and they're like, man, we should do blow. And then when you're 30, you're like, John Huck was telling us not, not to, do to do blow. <laughs> it turns yeah, out. That was, that's so funny. Like The, the speech just, class thing, yeah. like, it, because nobody else had that. Most kids don't have that, even if they love like being funny or like being the class clown or whatever. There's a difference of getting up there. When you get up and give a speech, I think that everybody falls back into that mode of just hit the points that I need to hit to get an A. And for me, the A was like, if I get them to laugh, I don't care if I get a B minus, if I get them to laugh, then that's going to feel so much better than getting an A plus and just being like every other speech. But Can I ask you guys a question? Because obviously the three of us have no fear of public speaking. Did you feel really bad for the people that you know that oh it was God. like they thought that they looked like yes. they were going to die yes die i distinctly remember i used to pity those people so much because i didn't understand it we had career day like where your parents would come in or whatever and like uh, my dad came in and like my dad wasn't was is, is a, could tell a story he could engage adults you know but but my dad didn't have any problem talking to a room full of kids and being like this is what I do you know and he just gave a normal presentation and I vividly remember being like oh that was a normal presentation my friend's dad who's in <laughs> construction who'd never spoken in front of anyone in his life and clearly couldn't tell a story I remember being like dude is this guy gonna piss his pants like he is terrified and I'm like. We're like nine. What is this dude scared of? Like, he, it was like he couldn't, he was trying to use it. It was yeah. uncomfortable. It yeah. was, unco- I remember being so uncomfortable for that guy. Just like, no, man, run away, run away. Go, go, dude, just get out of here. Like, you think a construction worker, that's a slam dunk for kids, too. Yeah. Like, they're, they already love Dude, it. my dad was talking about, magaz- about editing a magazine about bo- um, corrugated boxes. <laughs> No kid in the room gave a fuck, right? But it was like still a presentation of like, this is what I do, this is how you edit, this is what you do, and this is the magazine. It was like they carry his dad off on their shoulders, like this is <laughs> the coolest dad ever. Boxes, boxes, boxes. Construction worker in his hard hat just looking down. <laughs> just well, I build things though, isn't that kind of important? I think I remember thinking like 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 I, I think I remember focusing on the speech before me and just I guess back then hoping that they didn't try to do anything. Out of the ordinary. You're the I'm headliner the who tells his feature not to do certain jokes. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey man, if you could really lay off the uh, comedy in your speech, that'd be great. Hey, you're doing for me. Hey, don't do any crowd work. Hey, don't talk to the crowd. That's me. I do. You're not. You're not going to riff on the teacher or anything like that because I have a bunch of teacher stuff that I was really. I'm planning on doing. Also, you're not selling merch after this speech, so don't even think about it. I have this thing like I just I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, like as a comic, I can't because it, it's been it's been done to me as a feature act. Like, hey, don't do this or don't do crowd work. Like it's happened before, not a lot. Cause I I got to tour some pretty great comics. Right, like, right. John Caprulo was the best because he never cared what the hell I did. No, he dude. did not care. Yeah, but yeah. But when I you like you open for some random people, they're like, hey, don't talk about this or don't talk about this. Wh- which don't you? Aren't you? Uh, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I, yeah. So I th- this weekend I was I was doing a bunch of new stuff and I had this like He-Man bit that I couldn't wait to do. And I remember thinking, like, I should ask the comics not to bring up He-Man because it's gonna. But I'm like, I can't do it. So nobody brought up He-Man. That's the thing. They, who is doing He-Man oh. bits? But <laughs> it's like there's an influx. All these new guys. They got all these He-Man bits. Like that was my show. No, I. Well, you, like He-Man's OJ in '94. Like right. everybody's gonna have a He-Man. Dude, bit. not everyone's gonna have a he I mean, the toys that made us did talk about He-Man, but I still think that's real specific. You, you want a great uh, quick sidebar to the 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 He-Man, the toys that made us thing? Yeah. I got a call from a guy who produced that, and I thought he was calling me because a couple years prior, I had pitched him uh, their company doing my first comedy special and sent him like like my hour and like all this stuff we were talking. Didn't end up working out. Fine. That's Hollywood. I get a call two years later, right after I had done uh, some TV thing or something, and I'm assuming he's calling to be like, yo, man, I really missed the boat. Let's do a special together. Answer the phone. Uh, secretary says, hey, please hold for this guy. And I'm like, oh, here yeah, we go. Here, this here we go. It. He gets on the phone. Mark, babe, you're the best part of the show. You're just so good. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. So we working together or what? And then it keeps going. And he's like, wait, wait, is this? I'm s- oh, Wait, no. oh, I'm talking about the He-Man documentary. The guy who made He-Man toys is also named Mark Ellis. And he thought he was talking to the Mark Ellis that made He-Man toys that gave a great interview in the oh documentary. Oh, my <laughs> fucking <laughs> sweet Lord, dude. I would be lying if I said I didn't let it go. for Because I realized pretty quickly that he was talking to the wrong Mark Ellis. I let it go for a little bit. Did you know that Mark Ellis, the guy with the He-Man, was named Mark Ellis before that? I, I, I did. And now, you so it took, it took me quicker to put two and two together than it took him. Holy he was talking shit, to. dude. Yeah. And it was also just cool. The reason why I knew it was Mark Ellis is because like I had fans watch it and they sent it to me like, "Hey man, you're screen you're not, grabs you're the guy with well the yeah, 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 you look like shit, whatever." But, but it was also cool because like I love He Man was my favorite growing up. Yeah. And so the guy who made He Man toys. The fact he was also named Mark Ellis, I just thought that was cool. I didn't know they'd be getting a phone call from this high powered agent Dude, who I thought was calling to I get me on the books I and can't instead tell you he was talking to the He Man. That's Mark the Ellis. that's the best one of that. That's the best because I've worked with um two. I worked with two directors who had the same name, mm-hmm. uh, and I worked with like one of them, and then he was kind of let go, and then they brought in another one with the same name, and I was like, what is like I thought I was on. So that's acid. like a TV show where they replace the guy, and they, it's like doesn't look anything like the other Darren. And yeah, like, exactly. No, no I'm like, but this is a who's this now? And it's then like so that movie Dave, they just bring in a new guy that looks exactly like the, the president. Old guy. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. But uh, but then uh, those guys I heard in the in the past or in the future from working together or with me but like all right this is t- I'm, I'm really fucking the story <laughs> these two guys have had that happen where See, one of them gets, didn't want to happen in speech class one of them gets a job that they were supposed yes, to get yes they show up and they're like oh fuck i thought you were the other guy and that it was like so dude funny. what and like 
That's really uncomfortable if yeah. it's yeah, face to off, face. Yeah, first saying that at that point, just you just roll with what well, you got. But well, no, I mean face to face. There's a very there's they're dip, they're two very different directors. Let's uh, just say that. Face but to like, face, right. you just have to ride it out. <laughs> but like on the phone, I just can't imagine being like, and and you're I, for the first minute of that, you're like, yeah, man, we're gonna do this. We we are gonna. I am the best. For the part. first minute, I I really thought I was the best, and then the next <laughs> two minutes, I'm listening to him talk, and I'm like, he's talking to the wrong Mark Ellis. And then the next minute, I was like, I'm just gonna let this go a little bit further. <laughs> Just to up the embarrassment a little bit. And then I show him the wizard behind the curtain, and he... Did he laugh? <laughs> eventually. Eventually After he did. After crying? Or yeah. Like, what was I, he was just... There was some silence, and then there was like... Uh, uh, like, kind of backpedaling and stuff. And it probably wasn't even his fault. I mean, he probably told... Uh, his, his get Mark Ellis on the phone. Get Mark Ellis on the phone, and it's nice to be the first one that shows up. Here's but. a guy that can get a hold of with a listed number. <laughs> Look, to be fair, any guy named Mark Ellis is playing behind the guy who used to play Major League Baseball. There's ah, a Major League yes. Baseball Mark Ellis. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I went to Dodger Stadium. First time I ever went to Dodger Stadium, Mark Ellis was playing with the Dodgers, not known as a power hitter. Mark Ellis was one triple away from hitting for the cycle. Whoa. Got a home run first at bat. Wow. Single, double. Missed the triple. Well, I think you're gonna say somehow or another because you you did something, and then and they turns called out Mark me Ellis out of the stand, <laughs> <laughs> and I got that mistaken identity. A combined again. cycle by two Mark Ellis's. Ellis, you're up. Where is he? Does anybody know where he is? Man, are you I'm guys? Right are you guys? Are, are you, are the you upper guys deck. looking for me? I'll be right I down. I really blew it because I don't know how it works like to check into a major league game or whatever if you're a player, but it's Mark Ellis on my license plate. Or on my driver's license. Oh, so like not license, license plate. plate. That's insane, you guys, weirdo. Guys, you I don't fucking pay for, lunatic. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's thirty dollars for parking. Uh, I'm have Mark you seen Ellis. My license plate. <laughs> Clearly, I'm here for the game. Yes. Uh, anyone can pay Give for me Mark words Ellis on the phone. <laughs> the one, the guy with his own license plate. That's probably the one you want to talk to. That right? has yeah. more more digits on the license plate. Anybody else? Because it's his full name. Hey, man. It's perfect. Yeah. Special special request. Um. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny when we talk about like how long we've like known each other and stuff like that. And I feel like this last, because I've been under since 2000, I feel like this last 20 years doesn't feel, and it doesn't, that 2000, 2020 doesn't feel like 2000 from 1980. It's just different because so much different has yeah. happened. And I was thinking about like you're talking about in high school, you had started to figure out you're funny, but then, you know, cut to less than a decade later, you're, you're standing at the comedy store, Crazy. which is right. I mean, when you really think about that, that's like seven years later. Six, seven years later, here you are in Los Angeles. How did it go from all of a sudden going, hey, I'm pretty funny in high school, to, you know what, by 22, you're like, I'm going to L.A., baby. It's so crazy how long life is. Yeah. That, that you can be sitting there. Like, I, I remember in college watching the E! True Highwood story on the comedy store. And where were you in college? Uh, Wake Forest University okay. in North Carolina. Right. So I'm sitting there, and, and Argus Hamilton oh. is on TV talking about the comedy store. You know, and, and you're like, and, interesting. And, and Mitch brought Robin for the first time, and we all lost our mind. <laughs> and you watch it, and then a couple years later. Literally a couple years later. I'm bringing Argus on stage most yeah. nights. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And... I knew that I wanted to do stand-up, probably a lot informed by the speech classes and all. It, it, yeah, it's not that, that like, live performance, that connection. It's not that I didn't know that I wanted to do stand-up or be funny before the speeches, but the speeches were a little bit of validation that maybe I have a leg up on most other people who think that they want to be at least public speakers. You right? could see your classmates, and you were like, of everyone in here, yeah, I'm the best one at talking. <laughs> I'm shaking the least right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's that classic comic thing, because there was that website. Uh, you guys remember ChuckleMonkey.com? Fuck yeah. 
Chuckle Monkey. I remember, looking, I remember discovering Chuckle Monkey, um, like in the early days of using the internet and search engines, and just like, how yeah. do you get up anywhere? So I open managed mics. to find a bunch of open mics around the southeast. And the one thing that I give myself credit for knowing is I did not want my first or 10th or 20th performance to be in town where I lived. I did not want friends and family going to that thing. I did yeah. not want an audience full of people you knew, people who would assume this is a home crowd. And I'm like, because that's just more pressure. And this sport isn't about that. This sport is about making strangers laugh. I want to see if I can, if I'm good enough to make strangers laugh. So I go down to Atlanta for my first set, all the way down to Atlanta, do a couple sets down there. Open first mics, set, just signed up. First set went great. Ah, uh, beginner's luck. And then second set was okay. We, we maybe got something, and then it just kind of tanked yeah, from there for a couple years, <laughs> for a couple decades. <laughs> And then you have that classic comic decision of, okay, well, I'm in this place. It doesn't have a lot of stage time, so I either have to move to New York or L.A. Which one do I go to? A buddy of mine who I went to high school with w had just moved to L.A. and had just broken up with his girlfriend, who he had moved to L.A. And you're like, I'm looking to date and move. This is perfect. <laughs> He's out. I'm in. Uh, slept on his couch for uh, three months. He lived um, right at Fairfax and Selma. Okay. So I could walk to the laugh factory, do the open mic, and to the comedy store and do potluck. And so that was my, that was my walk, you know. And that's that's how it all it, it's, started. It's, it's which is you know in in some respects it's a little bit silly. It's a little bit delusional. It's like I'm just I'm gone. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna start standing in these lines and I'm gonna start doing this stand up thing, you know, to where everybody else is like, or you know, we go to college and maybe we were thinking about maybe doing something with that, the job and stuff. And you're like, ah, buddy has a couch I can crash on. Well, besides, but besides, and the it's okay, right? Like that's that thing you find out. It's okay. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy to think that that's not what most people think to do with a career? It's like who thinks that they can stand over somebody's open head and operate on their brain? versus just going on stage at the comedy store for five minutes. Ripping some fart jokes. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot easier than doing well, brain surgery. to you. To you. You know what? I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. There are people who are like, yeah, but I understand the human brain. I don't want to talk in front of people. Yeah. I understand how to perform surgeries. I don't want to talk in front of people. It's like, nuts. There's, there's, just, there's just a... There's a it's just people are different. But how did... Like, I know with all the money you're making at those open mics, what... <laughs> how... What... What... Like, what else did you do in town? Did you start auditioning right away? Did you start... I, what I did you get a shit job? Is the reason why I still... The, the invention of text message is one of the greatest things ever. Because I don't look at texting as, like, we're having a full-on conversation. I get a text, and I'm like, oh, this is an invitation to join a conversation that I can politely decline. Oh. Telemarketing. Because I had to talk to people on the phone all day, every day from basically the time I moved out here. I had enough money to get by until uh, my buddy Doug, who I was living with, once I, we ha got like an apartment where I was didn't want to sleep on the couch anymore and Needed we were a room. getting like, the two-bedroom thing, yeah. then it's like, I got to get a job. So I started telemarketing for this, uh, this burgeoning website. And I'm still buddies with the guy who, like, who owns the whole thing, but it was this... This thing, like, you're, you're calling realtors all day and trying to sell them a subscription to this website that would promise them leads in their area. Because real estate's like anything else. Like, there's probably 10% of them are actually good at what they do. Right. You know, 90% are just like, this is what I do now that I'm done with college. Right. And so you're talking to them, and you're trying to get their credit card number, and you're trying to close and all that stuff. So I worked there, and I actually got my buddy, uh, uh, Steve Simone. Yeah. Got him a job uh, working there, too. And uh, Fat James, James Price. Uh, wow. He started piece, working buddy. the thing, too. <laughs> R.I.P. Fat James. A, they had a bell that, uh, that you would ring every time you got a sale. 
And like, and you know, Steve and I were okay that James. We, we Steve and I never rung the bell. We rung it once. We're like, that's loud and annoying. James, every time he of closed, course. just boom. We Steve and I used to kill ourselves laughing because <laughs> our cubicles were on the same side, and James was over there. So him and I could make Steve and I could make eye contact just listening to, to James try to talk. And he would like he would just go so far above and beyond yeah. what Steve and I were willing to do to close the sale. Remember, he'd be like, I will give you my personal cellular telephone number. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, what's he doing? Why is, is he inviting people to call him? What's this guy doing? <laughs> oh, it was so funny. May he rest in peace. Yeah, he's a good dude. He was yeah, a good dude. But um, yeah, so so I, I did that. And then once I got hired at the comedy store. Um, to work like the phones and the the door in the parking lot. Yeah. And, so then, like you said, then stuff. you're getting money to be in a place you want to be. Well, he's getting six dollars an hour. I, so had to, like... I had to double dip for for about a year. So I oh, okay. my, my schedule for about a year was I would wake up at, at six a.m. Uh, to get to the telemarketing job, and then I would leave that at two p.m. was when I got off, and then drive to the comedy store to do the afternoon phone shift. And then I was on the phones there. And then some of those nights, I would have to work the cover booth in the OR. So I'd have to do the tickets. So I'd be there until... 2 you know, a.m.? Uh, usually, <laughs> we were lucky back then because it wasn't as populated as it is now. So some nights you get off by 12.30. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes you get off at 1 a.m. Sometimes Paul Mooney comes in and wants to talk. So you're there till 4 a.m. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, th- th- that was kind of the, uh, the burning the candle at both ends experience. And then... I was doing okay enough and just picking up a few bucks around or doing a random road gig where I could just do the comedy store as like my steady paycheck. Cause I was living basically under the one Oh one by myself at that point. Okay. Um, not, not under the one Oh one camping, but like there's in, a in really apartment. bad apartment complex. I think I know when you're talking about Kawenga yeah. and Franklin, it's like right under the, it's, it's like, like right there. Yeah. You gotta be constantly hearing traffic all the time. Yeah. All the time. And uh, it was actually, it was, so, it was a studio apartment. It was so small that the walk-in closet, it had a walk-in closet. That was the selling point. Walk-in closet was just big enough to where I could put my twin bed into the closet. And so that's where I, where I Kept slept. Your, oh. So. so it turns out eye contact really had nothing to do with your sex life. It had to do more with the fact that... Your twin bed was in a fucking closet yeah, under the as, 101. Also known as no one's going to hear you in here. <laughs> Eye contact hey, was not the biggest hurdle. We could sl- I've, I've, sound cl- I've sound padded the thing, too. Like, why? 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 I'll tell you what. I, 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 I do look back, and I'm like, I'm shocked that I ever had. I had a couple of ladies come back to the place, and I'm shocked that ever happened. But I'll also tell you this. I, the best sleep of my life was when I lived there. Really? Because you close the closet, and it's just total darkness. Oh. Occasionally, you hear some meth head running on the roof. Yeah. A couple times. Like a squirrel. A, uh, one time, I did have a stray bullet come in through the... Through I'm, the window. I'm sorry, what? There's a straight bullet because right across the street there was this like nightclub that now is something else. It used to be called the Concord, and it was just like this like crazy kind of nightclub scenario. Uh, and a lot of times there would be like skirmishes at like 3 a.m. And one time, pew. Were you home at the time? Uh, I was. Yeah. And, and I was in the closet. <laughs> so something woke me up, and I look and I see this like little hole in the window. Something woke me up. Yeah. I oh, never found it's, the all, it's called gunfire. Never found the bullet. Did you call the cops? Did not call the cops. I don't think he needed to at that point. No. It's pretty obvious. They probably were already there from... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, the only reason why you hear stories like that, because you, what if you weren't sleeping in the closet at that time? What if you had me walking past the window or looking out the window at that time, and it's like, like into you? You know what and I mean? It like, just it's happens, so crazy. Yeah. yeah. That shit does just happen, it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I had that happen at the Herald once. They, they chased a bank robber uh, at my place of work, and I was actually on a scout for a show 
and we were had just been in this room, and when we went upstairs, the building was so bad. I don't know if you ever been to the Herald Examiner before the the building they used to run for all those years. I don't, I don't think, think so. so no. They, we went on another. It was a very big building. It was almost like a city block long. So we were on another area of it, and I came back and I saw all these police and detective like peering in the window. And I was like, oh, this uh, isn't good. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> Did I leave something out? Uh... And they're like, we need to get inside. We got to get bullets out of your building. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And like, I went in and they had literally like plastered like a bank robber along the wall. But all the bullets were had gone through the wall wow. into another wall. And so they were doing all that CSI stuff. You know where they yeah. stick the, the tracks in? So Dude. Shows the track. They marked the bullets. It was crazy. It's not. Well, the but, scarier incident to me was when I, I heard somebody running on the roof. And there, there were times before that that I could hear somebody running on the roof because it was a two-story building. I was on the second story. So yeah, I heard someone running on the roof. And you know it's bad when you hear them running on the roof and then you hear the helicopter. <laughs> Once you hear the helicopter, yeah. you're like, oh, this is... Because they're, now, now that, they got this guy. They're chasing him. He's not just running. He's being chased. This guy's going to uh, diehard John McClane and oh. just jump into <laughs> my window. And so oh, with a fire is... wrapped in a fire hose. <laughs> oh, did you? Ever, was there a fire escape on your thing too? So you, you had to worry about somebody coming from the roof down. He just was, watched Die Hard too there, many it, times. It wasn't right next to my to my building, so okay, good. It, it, it's. I hesitate to say I had nothing to worry about because again, guy right up there. But it, it would have been again, hard I, for him to I, like. I had the closet. He wouldn't know anybody's home. He would have gone right out the door. He would have gone right out the front door. No one's here. So that, that thing served a lot of purposes. It was a sleeping room, a panic room, it's a, a panic. room. I slept in a panic room. I, it's a, a closet, it's really. But it really... I couldn't buy any long jackets because they'd, they'd touch the bed. That's what, <laughs> I, that's what I don't understand about panic rooms. Is like If you have the money to get a panic room, why not just make it a little bigger and call it your bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> make the whole house the panic just, room. What are we talking why about? Why don't you just expand the confines a little bit? I have a panic room. It's the bathroom. <laughs> First, it starts with a few poor, poor choices. Yes, but poor choices and like, oh my god, am I going to die here? <laughs> I'm panicking. The um, so it's circling back on the on the um on the movie stuff you were talking about before. I mean, and obviously you start getting into this world. I'm just curious. There, how, at what point were you like, I'm really getting some VIP shit here. Like this is, I, and well, I, and are you? And are you realizing some of the really cool shit? Like, are in the moment, are you realizing? Why don't I come back on the show when that's happening? No. F- <laughs> first of all, check this out. You met Mark Hamill. That, I, I think that that probably was it because, look, I'm I'm just I'm such a simple, basic person. Like that's my background. Is that I came out here the first one of the first press screenings we ever got into was for the Dark Knight. Oh wow! So you're going from a guy who didn't want to go see, didn't want to spend the 15 bucks to go see Batman Begins at ArcLight, and now I'm getting in free early before anybody else has seen the Dark Knight. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then a couple years later, you start to you know get invited to press screenings and then premieres, and all that kind of stuff, and then. You get the call or the the email from Lucasfilm and Disney that you're invited to the Force Awakens premiere. Did you think that was a prank, or were you like, "No, we've worked for this. This is it. We're doing this." I was like, "Where's John? Huck? <laughs> <laughs> is that you're like, is Ashton here? No, he's making a movie with Kevin Costner still, dude. We don't have time for this. I call you, you. Definitely... bananas, 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 <laughs> bananas." <laughs> but yeah, I uh, and, and so we, we go to that. that. That's actually a funny story too. It's like this is like this is the schmoes have arrived moment, right? Yeah. We're going to the Force Wagons premiere, and so so that was it for you. It was all this. It was cool, but this was like something, a, yeah. a, a child, a childhood were, thing. Star Wars, my favorite things of all time. So, yeah. so getting invited to that premiere, 
and and we went all out. It was it was Christian and I and a couple other people that we worked with. It was, we were probably rolling about ten deep in the limo of people who had been invited, like by you know the, as members of the press or whatever. And we all we're dressed to the nines. I have a white tux on because I'm like I'm going to be noticed. We get out. I am feeling everything. I'm feeling everything in the limo. And because we got the limo, we were in the limo line. So we're in the same line that is oh, the doors open and there's all the fans barricaded on Hollywood Boulevard waiting to see the stars. The limo before us is Harrison Ford. Oh, <laughs> wow. So Harrison Ford gets out because we can see out the and, and Harrison Ford gets out and the people go crazy. They go apeshit. Did he mention that I didn't stay for Crystal Skull? <laughs> He was, he, was he, he talking about that at all you. on the red carpet? He had some questions. He's more of a McDonald's guy. As it turns <laughs> He's out. like Burger yeah. King. And then our limo pulls up, and I'm the first one out. It opens, and the crowd from going crazy to Harrison Ford silence. Oh! <laughs> Except one guy I hear says, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they, they've since streamlined the process of who <laughs> actually gets into the <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Mark Hamill line. was behind you. But like, we do have fans there now that, 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 that know, know us. Like the Star Wars is, and like things of that nature in particular. Because when I went to, uh, to the Rogue One premiere, um, there was like a bunch of fans were out there. And it was to the point where I got out of, of the car and a bunch of fans like started like, they, they were fans they of me you. from uh, Christian Show Jedi Council. And so I get out and there's security everywhere. And I, I make eye contact with security, and they just kind of give me the, the go-ahead, like, yeah, you can go over and go take pictures and stuff. We got you. And so security has no idea. They, they think I'm like an extra in the movie or something. And most other people, to be honest, that are in the, the barricaded section think I have some small role in the movie. Sure, that's why you're in that line. They don't, they don't know any better. But there's yeah. 10 people that recognize me, and then 50 people get excited that the 10 people are recognizing me, and they think that they should be recognizing me too. Yeah. So it just snowballs into this whole thing. But, yeah, that, that's one of those, like, just – Super privileged moments that I never want to lose sight of. I never want to be, because I have seen people complain at press screenings and, like, just be bitchy about whatever. And it's like, dude, you sit back. I'm just a kid from Virginia that got to go to the premiere of a Star Wars movie. And yeah. did you did you get to rub elbows with anybody and just chat, like, have a normal conversation, not a fanboy conversation, but any normal conversation with people you're like, I can't believe this got, I got to have this Where you're happen. just, you're holding it inside. Yes. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. So I actually, like, because we're walking in there, and again, we're walking in, like, in the celebrity line. So I'm, it's like me, and then just to my right is, Harrison Ford's right in front of me. Steven Spielberg is right to my right, and John Williams comes up on my left side. And I'm just like, Jeez. what is happening right now? <laughs> We get in there, Spike Lee is right here, and there's all these celebrities. Like, you can't even, you're just, you're, your head is on a swivel. And then um, we get to the, the picture line where, like, all the, you know, photogs are taking pictures of all the stars. And Mark Hamill's just kind of standing there by himself, waiting for his turn to go on the press line. And I'm just, I, I see Mark Hamill, never met him before. He was on our, he called into our show. He called into Schmoes No like a year prior. Wow. Called then on his own or called was a schedule? Organized. We had a, uh, we had a, uh, this guy, Scott Mance, who's a great movie reviewer, film critic, interviewer for, uh, at that time, Access Hollywood. He knew everybody and he became our buddy. So he knew how big of Star Wars fans we were. So when Mark Hamill had a small role in the movie Kingsman, yeah. Mark Hamill was promoting that. And he called in and we okay. had about a 20 minute conversation. It's a famous moment in Schmo's No Podcast history where as soon as the phone call was done, like I think 20 minutes is all Christian I could have done with Mark. Without Hamill, screaming? Because we would have just, as soon as he hangs up, he was very nice and very kind and he did this, this intro as his character, uh, Joker from the Batman animated stuff. Yeah. And he does this, uh, th this intro for Schmo's No that we had still used 
from you know from that day forward. As soon as he hangs up, Christian and I just let it out. We're just so excited on air. We're just high fiving, and Mance is running around <laughs> in the back. It was just it was such a great moment. So anyway, cut to Force Awakens. I see Mark Hamill. Never met him in person. I'm just like, damn it, I'm doing it. I walk up to him, and he sees me approach, and I he's like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> Before, I, and I'm prepared to say, hi, I'm Mark from Schmoes. No. And I was going to say, hey, you called in. Thanks a lot for doing that. I get to Mark, and he shakes my hand. He says, you're Mark from Schmoes. And I was like, ah. <laughs> he knows. Wow. He knows. He remembered. Wow. He knew who I was. And, uh, and we had a quick conversation, and we, then we took the picture. And that picture, uh, got, I put it on Instagram, and it made the rounds to the point where I got the phone call from my hometown newspaper, the Daily Press, was doing a story on The Force Awakens, and somebody had seen that picture and knew I was from Williamsburg, Virginia somehow. So they get in touch with me, and they say, we're doing an article on uh, these two Marks that were both from Williamsburg, Virginia, because Mark Hamill uh, was a military brat, too, so he did a couple years in Williamsburg. And so get it was just this article, these two Marks here. from Williamsburg, now in the premiere <laughs> of Star Wars. <laughs> One of those Marks is the reason why we care about Star Wars. <laughs> The other one is just one of the guys who cares about Star Wars. <laughs> but, yeah, and so it was really cool and got to do the uh, the interview for that. Dude, and, that um, is awesome, dude. That yeah. is really, really badass. And then I was playing with house money at that point. So the only, only part, because I don't like accosting people, like, like famous people. That I'm, no, like, it's uncomfortable. You just start walking around. Hey, guys, listen, what's going on over here? Okay, yeah. this guy, this guy, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm just walking around <laughs> grabbing Mark Hamill. Hey, tell him you know me. <laughs> um, it's kind of the same situation a couple minutes later because I see George Lucas just kind of standing there by himself, and I'm like, high roller, here we come. <laughs> George was not in the mood to do anything that night, like, like take pictures or anything, but he did oblige me, and I just asked if I could take a quick picture with him, and he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and take the picture, and I, to this day, am convinced. You guys can take a look at the picture and tell me what you think. I think he's smiling in it. You think? I think he's smiling in it. George just had this is a little lip curl. Just goes up a little bit. You know, the, the craziest thing I ever saw George Lucas doing, I was a, a van driver and, like, a production assistant at the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen for a couple years in a row. Like, oh, wow. It was, like, a, it was a good kind of a vacation from punk. I would, like, take two weeks, and I would go up to, I'd go to Aspen, and I would literally drive a van with, like, George Carlin and Dick Gregory and all these crazy fucking famous comedians and then all these up-and-comers that now are like Jezelnik and, you know, guys that you fucking... That's a dream gig for a guy who can do stand-up, too, because in the back of your head you're thinking, hey, if somebody if somebody breaks their leg on the way to the stage... I, this, we need someone to do 15 minutes! Get us the driver! Honestly, before, before I was ever really... I got that before I ever was really, like... I was into stand-up, but I didn't think... I don't know. what Long story, but um, doing, the, doing those that... What the fuck was... Uh, you get to George drive Lucas. George Lucas. So the HB, it was HBO that would put this thing on. Right. And then so all these other people were up there. There's a lot of fucking crazy famous people. And then at the end of the festival, there's this huge party. And we would go into this huge party. And like at one point, there's a conga line. And all these weirdos are in this conga line. And George Lucas comes by with like two Heinekens. And he's like, hey. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? And he just wow. like in the conga line. I'm like, that dude looks like George Lucas. And somebody <laughs> goes, that's George Lucas, dude. I'm like, this is an HBO thing. I'm like, Okay, and like he was like having a good, and I don't mean like he was belligerently crazy no. or his shirt was off, like, yeah. but like down off. a couple buttons, okay, like, and I swear I'm seeing two, like a beer in each hand, but it, you know what I mean. And he was like enjoying himself. Was you this know? during uh, the the prequels being released? Uh, this was before those. This was so before this was those nineties. Like 
No. When did the prequel? Phantom Menace the came, out came out in 99. Yeah, is that what it was? Okay. No shit, it Phantom came out in 99. Then yes, this was after those. It was those. 99. Attack of the Clones was 02. Then this was right in the in the middle of that. Okay. It was like it was like 2000. Probably, yeah. It was probably a one or two. Okay. Yeah, good. I, did, I didn't realize that those came out so long ago, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I just think it's funny that... Uh, those are two great stories of, of meeting someone. One, a little bit more stoic and iconic, just the way you would assume. The other one is like, oh, a couple of kids in a... Um, uh, but I, in a conga line, but I, didn't, conga I definitely line. didn't meet him. He just like danced no, then, by, and I was like... You're missing my point. It's like, like, we yeah. all like, yeah. what, what would be the chance that you'd ever see somebody? Oh, Probably dude. not two of in and a conga line. Right, right. Is, is, of, of a guy who pretty much helped form your childhood. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you you don't expect it like at a wedding, right? You know, hey, dude, you you always lose sight that these are just normal. They're people, people. and They're it usually happens beings. at a wedding too. Because like, remember that that footage of uh, Nick Saban at a wedding dancing came out, and it's like this is the guy who's barking at people on the sideline. This is like the greatest college football coach ever, and he's this taskmaster. Then he's at a wedding, just like you know. Doing a dance. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, he's a person. Or Bill Belichick in a Halloween costume. You're yeah. like, no, no. Yeah. Bill Belichick's not a human being. No, no, <laughs> what the fuck again, are you guys talking that's, about? That's the whole point. That's Nick Saban's probably not it. mostly human either, but. you. Uh, so do you, w- with all the stuff that you're doing with the, with the film stuff, um, are you enjoying it all? Are there certain aspects of it that you you get, like, you like more than other things? Like, I, I know there's, like, obviously there's, there's seeing movies, there's talking about movies, there's going to premieres, there's doing all that stuff. Are you, you were talking about, are you doing the junket stuff? Is interviewing a big part of it? It's not really the it's thing not, you're trying it's to evolve it? It's not my favorite thing to do. Because um, those are intense, right? Because they're getting asked. It's just, you're, you're so quick and you're in and out, but, because um, I work uh, with Rotten Tomatoes uh, sometimes, and so... They are kind enough to hit me up if they need a host to do something. And, That's nice. And m- my mentality is still just be that gym rat that whatever, anything, anybody needs, it, it go hustle your ass off. You be know? the guy that says yes. Yeah. Just, just be a yes man and, and get in there and, and do the best job you can. And it does lead to some cool opportunities. So if I have to do a junket for something I'm not that excited about, it also means if I do a good job, then I get to do a junket for something like Rise of Skywalker, which is right. what I did. So that's... You know, it's cool to just you get those reps, and then you can actually tell them, "Hey, if any, you need somebody to talk Star Wars." Yeah, you saw how good I was talking about this horse shit that I don't like. Well, you should see me talk about something I actually give a fuck about. And that's exactly how you write in the email. Hey, hey, your thing here that sucks. I talked about it pretty good. Now I'm gooder at talking about stuff I love. Get me in there. You get fucks. The, get me the Star Wars junk. I'm just talking to J.J. Abrams. I like movie. J.J. <laughs> me, Mark. <laughs> The uh, last time you and I talked, when you were you, kind you, had, enough, you had scripts, you were doing scripts. No, 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 oh. no, no, no. The last time we talked, he was kind enough to to, uh, to scene plug. two. <laughs> it's uh, I'm gonna do George Lucas. We're gonna write scene one after scene two. Perfect, so. dude. Scene two. We were going to get our two Heinekens. <laughs> and Con- going to, and the Congolans swept in the me away. Yeah. George Lucas did not look me in the eye when I cheers him. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why those prequels weren't that good. <laughs> Seven years of bad prequels. Um, you, so you guys have been doing a lot of stuff. You obviously mm-hmm. made a nice plug for my film when I called and asked you to do that. Um, 
Which and is also how we know you're a good person because he met resistance on that from different well, angles. Well, and I was I felt uncomfortable already doing it. I just you know, unfortunately, when you make independent films, that's kind of your job. It's yeah, like it's not you just have to, to make prom- the film. No, you have you. to do everything as right? a comic. You have to promote yourself. It's not there's a there's a way to do it without being obnoxious, but you do have to and do. We it. always we always are harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else. Fuck so it's yeah. like if I made a movie, now I'm like now I got to go whore this thing out to everybody. Yeah, but if somebody, especially somebody that I respect, like John Huck or somebody I don't respect, like Brian Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, no, it's like no, dude. We, we have so much history. You you were so kind to give me spots, uh, w- uh, you know, at the belly room when I wasn't ready to do it. And it's like I owe you my life. Well, actually, no. But what I was saying <laughs> was that e- I just you know even when you do it, it's like it's one of those things. And, and John knows this. You know, I've bitched about a lot of people that I've helped out a lot that literally that didn't have that, that remembrance not, of like oh, not a remembrance, just not not a. Um, you, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, bro. When you when you get somewhere, all you just got to remember is that you were there once too, right, and right. help where you could help. But and nobody know, gets anywhere alone. But we all know that there are some people when they get a taste of success, they always say that it usually amplifies who you already were. Yeah. And right. So it's not, you know, some people have a tendency to go <laughs> and just cut it off. Like, yeah, no, I'm. You know, I can't help you. You know, you know where you are. You know where I am. I mean, let's be honest. You're just not one of those people, right? Um, but I remember in having that conversation, you were also talking about, hey, we were opening up a studio and doing all that stuff. And where I, I never did come visit because that's just I never. This is the only time I leave my house to go to John's house. <laughs> and he's only so, making us do it here because he's got construction going on at his house. Otherwise, we'd be there. <laughs> but um, you, are you so? Are you still doing all that kind of stuff? And what what was that all about? So uh, what, what we have with uh, back then that was um, when I was hosting a show called Movie Talk uh, with this big you know kind of media conglomerate called Collider. Oh, you were with Collider. That's what I was wondering about. I was with about Collider, though. yeah. Okay. And then I left Movie Talk. I stopped hosting Movie Talk because I was about to go tape my special. Okay. And I had a number of other stand-up uh, opportunities, which, again, is like all the movie stuff is great, and I love doing it. Everything filters back to stand-up still D- Did me. that help get you on the road more and get you more? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a That's doubt. Great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, then, it's, it's, ser- it's then it definitely served at least that purpose. Yeah. It's yeah. a daily place to say, oh, by the way, I'll be in Vegas this week, you know? And is your headshot you and Mark Hamill? It's just Mark Hamill. It's just, just, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's the guy from He Man. It's, it's, it's the He Man next Ellis. to Mark Ellis yeah. from He Man. And Mark Ellis from the Dodgers or wherever he is now. So it's pretty much just everybody Man, else but you. Are you going to the show? This looks pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> My resume is an amalgam of every Mark Ellis that has ever lived. <laughs> Google it, dude. I've done all these things. Wait a minute. Uh, this guy played professional baseball, invented He Man. And he was in a bunch of Star Wars movies. And he changed his name to Hamill for a while? <laughs> this guy, we've got to go see this guy. Um, yeah. So anyway, so you were doing the collider stuff. Yeah, and then um, and is then, collider a thing not anymore? Or no, th- they're still a thing. Yeah, okay. they, they recently downsized some of their collider uh, video content, which is one of the things that I was doing. Okay. But, but I, you I, had I, I was already gone. Yeah. Okay. So um, what we did with Schmodown is now with the movie trivia Schmodown, we have a daily show called Sen Live. Uh, which is, the Schmodown has become its own entertainment network kind of thing. So do you guys have a place you go to to do all this stuff? Yeah, we, we have a little studio that actually is about to be um, a bigger studio that's being currently constructed or finalized because Christian brokered a deal with Schmodown um, with this company, Skybound, that is coming in, and they're you know helping support us, and they're putting us up at their studio. And so that's an exciting partnership, but it also is nice for me because now that Christian has this thing solidified, um, and it's got its own momentum going forward, I can be less hands-on. 
because I love announcing the movie trivia matches and doing all that stuff. Yeah, I, it's it's just never been something I want to do to do a daily podcast or talk show. So he runs that, and then I pop in once or twice a week to you know come in and talk and give the fans the old schmoes no feel. But yeah. he's got a great crew that uh, that is around him, and and it's crew that we've worked on for years. It's funny, I, when we were in Atlanta this past weekend, my buddy from high school. Um, what came? Who lives in Atlanta? Came to the show. Actually, same guy who was in LA, and I slept on his couch. So oh, nice! He came uh, to the show, and afterwards, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, you guys have this like huge crew." And he's like, "Are these local people, or are these people that you've?" And like, and I'm like, "No, this is everybody that we're we're just friends with." And luckily, we have the right friends because they're good at something. Yeah. And one of them can work camera, do sound, all this stuff, and it's just all this this huge team that goes on the road. You know. But it's a money making business doing, it's it's doing great okay you know? so that's how christian makes his living that, that, that's what christian does full-time yeah is he okay. is he is uh schmo down full-time good for him are you are you guys i like partners christian though too. yeah the, okay yeah, yeah okay yeah we yeah we found it together and then you know as what happens when you have like business and lawyers and all that stuff at the end of the day christian and i still have the understanding that it's like look man this schmo down thing is us but he knows that and when we both have had so many talks about this over the years where he is in charge of Schmodown, and then I am a small part of it yeah. that gets to come do it. And, you know, and I'm kind of – I announce most of the matches, and I announce all the live ones. And so I have a great role that I'm very appreciative yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And good. it allows you to get on the road, man, and yeah. just get out there. It is, but I will say, you know, you, you just touched on it briefly here, but it can get tricky. Relationships that turn into business relationships. So it's great that you guys have – because this has been how many years now? It's been uh, – God, it's been – I think it's been 12 years now that we, since we started doing like that current TV stuff. And then Dude, we've known each other pretty much so since, since I moved out here. Um, because again, he was like a, you know, he, I th- he got me a, a stand-up gig. Um, it was one of those uh, Booker or th- those bringer shows where it's like a comedy contest. And I remember I made it through the first round at this Mexican restaurant called El Dorado. It was in the back and, and El Dorado the, and I won the first uh, night in Brentwood. Yeah. I won, the, I, I won the first night, like, I won the, the first round. And, like, so then the eight comics that won the first night get to come back the next week and compete for the ultimate prize, and I bombed my tits off the second time. Was that a uh, TK Mark Franco? It might have been a TK Mark Franco show. Production? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. 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 I did, I mean, I would do the El Dorado with, like, Andy Samberg. Like, I remember doing, Samberg like... Samberg was, yeah, I, I don't recall ever running into him yeah. i'm sure we did because there's so many people that we all cross paths with yeah that you had no idea this incredible career yep that even at the time you're just like oh that guy yeah really yeah, peter sprite keeps telling me that Kristen wig would come do comedy shows at the comedy store on my dad i have friends that were in uh groundlings i think with her yeah ken knapsack and Kristen wig were i think they're in the, the same, same class gr- yes <laughs> i think he might have old sketches of them like on on Yes, he had no. He's posted one of them, I think, on Facebook or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We had her ex-husband on. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, as a a friend, we he had to do a two-parter with him because he started telling the stories like, well, and then things started going south, and I looked at my watch. I'm like, I got to get my kids, dude. So we got the podcast was like, he's like, we his whole life up to he married Kristen Wiig, and he's like, and then we got divorced, and Brad's like, I have to go. Uh, (laughs) Can we bring you back? Coming in. So funny. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, Napsock's great. Napsock when Christian's not available or when he needs to take. A couple matches off because we we shoot our movie trivia matches in blocks now. Yeah, like we'll do like seven or eight in a day. Yeah, and I again I'm a gamer. I want to do every one. And Christian has so much other stuff going on that he's running. So Knapsack 
will come in and announce a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, we have such a great time. And he's yeah. been affiliated with you guys on and off over the years, right? He, yeah, he, he, he was known as the pit boss because he'd kind of come in and, like, almost be like the the character of security and he'd wear like a like a suit like like he's the pit boss at a casino yeah. and then he started doing the news where every week on the Schmozno podcast he would do whatever the stories were in a funny way just very quick you know weekend update style yeah. and it was a fan favorite segment and that solidified him as being part of our crew and so now it's just this big extended family we have you know he's he's great I yeah. love it. Yeah. So it's it is amaz- it's been an amazing journey for you. Like how do you see where do you see the evolution of you? It's such a you keep talking a lot about stand up, so it seems crazy. obviously that's very important to you. It's the most important thing to me. And so like people ask, like, hey, you know, I, I saw you on, on TV. What's the next step? And I'm like, you just saw it. That was <laughs> Dude, I, I said that I, to somebody. I'm where I want to be. I don't somebody yeah. said that. Somebody because I've been featuring for Dan Cummins a lot lately. So people who are Oh, that's fa- fun. Dude, it's yeah. the Dude, I cannot tell you. It has literally saved my comedy life. Yeah. But like, he is easily the most generous and uh, one of my favorite comedians at this point. Yeah. But but his like audience, they're some of them are just seeing me for the first time, and they don't know that I also headline clubs. And that right. they think that Dan you is headline clubs and you collect mason jars and mason jars yeah. clubs and colleges across the country. Uh, actually, no, <laughs> just clubs. But like, he's a good guy. He's yeah. a, this kid's buddy of mine. But but like people will John Hawk. But people will say like, "Hey man, I really liked what you did. Keep going, dude. I think you're gonna make it." Oh, and you get to keep going. And then I'll and I go I go. Hey, yeah, I did make it. Yeah. You liked what I did. That's all I ever wanted. That's the job. And they were like, they were like, oh, what? And they're like, me? And I'm like, you. That's all I ever yeah. wanted. One of my you friends, liked it. Like, I, uh, I got to do a couple TV things recently, and one of my friends was like talking about, it, and, and and she was very nice. She's like, I can't wait to see where you're gonna be in five or ten years. And I'm like, probably dead. This is that's that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I'm, I I yeah. want to retire now. <laughs> I want to go work at a mini golf course. Well, it's, just, it's like I never want to. I, I don't like se- sense that I ever want to stop. But like, yeah. but I feel like, and, and and get it. I get it. I'm still. We. I still struggle. Paychecks, money. Still have to find you know production work here and there when I can. Sure. The road doesn't pay for everything. My life is not perfect. I don't go on Instagram and pretend that it is. But like, I st- when people are like, I hope you make it. I'm like, no. Nah, this is it. This is what I've always mm-hmm. wanted. This yeah. is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to. And and granted, yeah. Some some a lot of times it's feature work, whatever. But it's still enough time I can be on a stage, I can connect with an audience that I didn't know before. Right. We can laugh about shit together. Right. And then I've felt like, I, at least I feel like I've given back and I've done something that is, yeah. I've taken this gift that I have and I've shared it and I can go to a different city and do that. Like, I don't know what else. I mean, yes, I guess never having to worry about money again would be nice, but like... I mean, I th- my philosophy of this stuff is is because, like to get back to Brian's question too, there's there's some acting thing that I've been like, that I've... I, I like taking a challenge every so often just to push yourself a little bit. Yeah. So there are some acting that. things that I, that I got approached about that I might want to consider. Um, and then maybe that's a gateway into me re- discovering that I do love acting. Or it's like when I used to do commercials, and I'm like, this kind of sucks. Like, or, this is just boring. Or worst case day. scenario, you do, you do, you act, you get into some stuff, and it just drives more people to come out and see you live. That's always the goal. You know it's what like I mean? If I can so sell out take, everywhere as yeah. opposed to like half the places, which is what I'm doing now. Hey, like, that's pretty fucking good. If I, can sell, if I can sell out tickets in a place like Vegas, then I know I've made it. Because yeah. Vegas, it's like if they don't know who you are from the billboard, nobody's buying those tickets. So... That's kind of the thing. It's like my philosophy is this entertainment industry is is a playground. Like wh- like it's a basketball playground. And when you play uh, street ball, all you want to do is stay on the court. You just because that means your team won. 
So yeah. now you get to play the next team. I just want to stay on the court. I'm on the court right now. I just want to stay there. Yeah. So I have a couple questions for you. So the greatest thing I ever learned, we were talking about Siskel and Ebert earlier. Like, it's funny how, like, you just watch the show for what it is, and years go by, and then you find out that Ebert had made a movie. Oh, man. Yeah, right. That was, right. That was a, yeah, that people did not what, care for. What is your personal Valley of the Dolls? <sighs> I, I was the lead in a movie um, called Little Fucker. And it was this movie about these two uh, exterminators who find this little Ewok creature who's kind of like that like leprechaun in the sense that it's evil and it kills things. The only way to get it to stop it, the only thing that pacifies it, is get it high. And luckily, my character, I was either Chuck or Lloyd, and, and at Max Mullion, who's a really talented actor, was, was, my, was also, we were the co-leads of it, and we were just these two bumbling idiots who were exterminators, and we got high all the time. So we got high, and then we got the thing high, and then we were just hanging out with the thing, and then it's this comedy turn horror movie where we take it to a Halloween party, and everybody runs out of weed, and so now the thing gets mad and starts killing everybody. And that's out somewhere. Well, that's out per- somewhere. Yeah. first of all, what? How has this not been <laughs> at least riff tracks, mystery science, theatered? Because um, no one's ever asked him that question. Dude, it deserves it. It's, if it's People, out there, you can, you can Amazon. You say it's out there. It's what probably do you mean on YouTube. I don't know. I honestly. It's don't. called Little Fucker. Yeah. Have you, you seen it? Go on YouTube and type in the trailer. And uh, have you actually seen the final? I have. You have. Okay. Yeah, we just screening at a theater at that that like theater in Westwood. You know. Yeah, the one um, you have to pay to show your. And um, yes, that n- not the one next door where they do like the big. Is it? Was it a short? No, no, no. It was a full feature. It wasn't movie. called Scary Little Fuckers. Not Scary It was just little called fuckers. Little Fucker. That's no, that a sequel. A, that was a sequel I was not asked to come <laughs> back to. But yeah, it's there. It's there. What was one comedy that you were so hoping was going to be awesome and you were just, it just, you were ho- every, the whole time you're like, come on. I know, I know you got it in you, and you just were just you were left bummed. Try, it, it, Dinner with Schmucks is up there. So um, you had expectations and that one. Or what was one more so that maybe the easier question would be, what was a movie you're like, all right, fine, whatever, and you walked away and you're like, you know what, this is what I love about things. You can still walk in and be blown away. Being by surprised. Something. I've been surprised a number of times um, with movies. The, I think the first time I had a feeling like that, where I was just going to this random screening, this movie with Chris Evans in it, who I knew was Captain America or was cast as Captain America. It's this legal kind of thriller called Puncture. Okay, and it's great. It is. It's so good. And it's like, how come nobody's heard of this movie? This is still. Fantastic. I didn't know about it. It's it, check out Puncture. It's really, really good kind of courtroom drama kind of thing. So, what, so it, it it respects to that. Um, is that I don't want to say is it disappointing because obviously, but are there movies like that? Sometimes you you go and you see them and then you're <laughs> oh, like, oh dude, Chad's watching it right now. <laughs> the trailer. Why? What? Are you, why are you watching it right now? Oh, no one can because, see it. dude, I'm like, who is this? And it's you. And I'm like, God, that who doesn't even this? really look like it. Doesn't, sitting right there in front it of you. It doesn't even look. Us. But I was like, what the fuck? But I've never seen I you. Would, with like I a, think I was still a chubby Ellis back then. Well, also your hair is all fucked up. You're wearing hair. a tie dye. You're smoking a bong. You're that was fucking, pretty much me straight off the set from Punked. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a little bit after that time. You were like, I have done it. Well, the thing is, because like again, we play stoners. I to this day don't smoke pot. I can. I saw you smoke the bong. I can. No, no offense, I can tell. No, they, they they had to teach me how to roll a joint and like how to like oh. smoke like the fake, you know. Yeah, but that whatever. fake weed is weird, right? 
I mean, uh, yeah, but I have no you don't, comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't so care, yeah. I'm like this. I guess this is what weed is. Yeah, like. man, you guys are weird, fucking disgusting people. Whatever. <laughs> I'm Dude, getting paid yeah, for this. Yeah. <laughs> what are we? What are we doing here? I'm sorry. I was just watching the trailer. You can't see the little fucker. A uh, little fucker yeah. trailer on yeah. uh, uh, YouTube. Link it. Um, no, but like, are there other movies that you thought, well, this is really good, and you're just disappointed in the fact that the world just doesn't doesn't respond at all. Yeah, that's or do you not? Are you are you more like, well, look, people are gonna find some, what they yeah. find. Some people aren't care. gonna like some shit. Meaning, like, do you have anything really truly invested, or are you just enjoying the ride? Ultimately, for you, I try to take away because, and I think part of it is all the comments that you see of people who care so much about this thing. Yeah. So I've tried to take a little bit of a backseat, even to things I love, like Star Wars and things like that. Like, like when I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was invested. I knew this is the last time I get to hang out with the Skywalkers ever again, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm so pumped to do it. And it's like, yeah, I, I love the movie, and now I'm good, and I can move on. With, I had that experience, and I was emotional during it. It was great. And now I can go on with the rest of my life. Yeah. And now I don't need to constantly revisit or get into arguments with people about what this meant or why did they do this or is that in response to The Last Jedi? And I'm like, I can just, I can, I think that I'm at that point now where I can just enjoy the stuff. Do you think you know, And not take it personally. Do you think your love of sports has kind of taught you that? Like, especially maybe some of the, not, and I don't mean, I'm not purposely shitting. Is this a Washington Redskins barb? No, no, I don't purposely mean, I just be, mean coming from a place where the teams haven't been always fucking great, but you're still invested in them. But then you see a game, they lose, they win, you move on. You know, it's, it, it's a great question because I look back and the thing I always say, because everybody has that joke, like you meet someone and they find out that you're a Redskins fan and their immediate response is, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'd love if they changed the name. But yeah. I'm not sorry that when I was a kid, I got to see them be the best, one of the best teams of all time in 91. And then those two other championships in 87 and 82 during those seasons. It's like, that is, th those are all-time memories for me. And it's never going to sour. It's never going to be tainted. Yeah. And then you think about something like the 2017 Astros and what those fans are going through right now. Oh, my because God. Because it's not the fans' fault no. that that team cheated. No. They had this all-time great memory. And I remember when it was going on, it was like this cute underdog story. Dude, and now that Altuve home run, in yeah. hindsight now, I'm like, he was standing so far up in the batter's box it doesn't make any sense. He's a little man. Chapman's throwing 106 yeah. miles an hour. You can't, like, but in my head at the time, I was like, this is the best fucking baseball player that might exist. I mean, right. look at that. And then he hits the home run. I'm like, look at this. This guy is on fire. Like, And it's like, does that take away? <laughs> maybe maybe it does. It's. I mean, if, if I found out the Cubs cheated to win the 2016 World Series, I it, would be very upset. It takes away a little bit. I would be very upset. Like, like you look at a Saints fan, and if they – Bounty Gate is like <sighs> – Come on, every team was probably doing that. So I don't think that should taint their championship. Yeah. With the Astros, I do believe other teams have cheated. Yes. And are trying to steal signals. It's just the Astros were probably far and away the best at it. The uh, the Astros used video and the Astros used stuff that nobody else used. Maybe buzzers, yeah. So so anyway, I mean, you look at stuff like that. So if I found out <laughs> that there were buzzers during Force Awakens. Like, I don't know how to compare it. <laughs> right, right, Star right, Wars, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> sports informs everything I do. I'm, I'm a monster sports fan. It informs every aspect of my life. But also, you, 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 can, you can separate that. Like, if you yeah. had a show, like, okay, the Redskins, let's say they're in the Super Bowl, and you have a spot that night. Yeah. You're going up. Yeah. And the Redskins lose the Super Bowl, 406 to nothing. It's the biggest blowout in fucking history. Right. Now, you might mention that in your spot, yeah. but are you going to start crying so hard that you got to call the store and cancel your spot because you can't go on stage? It's the Redskins. I'm not canceling the spot. 
You're not canceling a spot. I might not have the best set. Right. And you might talk a lot about the game. That's the closest that it would come. Right. And movies have never impacted me, or at least my experience with the movie, because Star Wars informs a lot of just how I feel about myself, too. But it's never informed that, like, if I saw a bad Star Wars movie, it's not going to ruin my set that night. Right. Sports, I think I, I take a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that is always interesting because you know I, I I grew up a little bit in in Illinois and a little bit in, and and mostly in Wisconsin yeah. and my whole really no one was winning anything. No, your yeah. your your yeah. childhood was there was there right. was no victory. And so you know I I wonder sometimes though like the, imagine growing up in the Boston area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how that shapes you. That infusion champion. of I'm of, a champion. Yeah. I, I even though you have nothing to do with it. Right. You're constantly around champions. And imagine how it informs their relationship with their, their parents and their grandparents. And their eye contact. Who experience so much losing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'll tell you what we should do. You guys should watch the little fucker trailer right now while I go, while I go take a pee break. We're going to wrap it. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up anyway because we and all... You I guys have to... Next time you have me on, we need the review of the little fucker well, trailer. Well, we'll put... What we're going to do is I'll put a you link to the trailer. You your own movie. I'll put a link We've to the... We've talked about doing it. We've talked I'm about sure doing it. I'm sure you have. I, yeah. I, I want to put a link to the trailer do when it. we post the show Please today. Do. And that way, when we have you on again, we can talk... More in depth, and people are more it's informed. Those things that you, you think it's going to be awesome when you're making it, then you realize it's not, and then you're embarrassed about it a little. Don't bit. be, dude. Don't but be embarrassed. Then you put enough time between it, and you're like, no, that was something I did, and I'm still proud of Max and I's performance, dude. Yeah, here I I feel like you, there's nothing. Nobody, you don't just wake up one day and you're like in a, an Oscar winning role. Right. You, you like have to say yes to things, to act in things, so that you can cut your teeth, so that you can become a better actor, and you can make those mistakes. It's better to make those mistakes when you're making an independent movie that nobody might see, rather than make those mistakes as something that you should be better at. So you know to bring I mean? it full circle. Nicolas Cage does still make movies, everybody. That's, you I'm need just, to know that. You may not, actually does. You may have not guy, seen any of them. That guy says but yes to uh, that, that. At a certain point, <laughs> I would like to say, maybe you don't have to say yes to everything. We, we never start out Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Exactly. We start out Bradley Bradley Cooper in the actor's studio. Yes. Watching James Lipton. Dude. Who is now dead. <laughs> and. <laughs> but sing. he lived 93 years. 93 years. It was a good so, run. Yeah, it, it was, was a good run. run. R.I.P. James Lipton. Mark Ellis, the uh, uh, movie critic comedian. <laughs> not the baseball player and not the He-Man toy maker. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Miss Appreciate you, boys. You love you guys. Yeah, love you too, Let's man. Let's do it soon. Uh, and we'll put we'll post a trailer so you guys can check that out because you definitely have to see that. And you wait, you have a special coming out? Uh, Dog Stepfather. You can uh, usually most places where you're streaming stuff. Oh, Amazon, it's out. Uh, yeah, you can get it on YouTube now. So uh, we'll Dog post, Stepfather. We'll yeah. post a link to that too. Uh, where put you put that can above find Little Fucker? No, no, Little Fucker will be in bigger, bolder type, and uh, that's how we're gonna do that. <laughs> it's the name of my second special, Little Fucker. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been the name of the first one. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.